0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ooh, this music's... F- Whoa! <laughs> In a it's world. Like- <laughs> it's like Jaws. <laughs> All right, everybody. That's, We're ready. That's the shark. Oh, wait August twenty first, right? That's the date today. Yes, sir. Let me just write that down just to make and sure. And it's a Wednesday. Oh wow! Thank you, thank <laughs> okay. you, thank you. Off to a good start, mm-hmm. I'd say. Got the right day. I Your Ben Jarosky show for Wednesday, August twenty first, is just moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for jumping on board and helping bring back our program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local one twenty six and District eight, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. Local 9 and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. That's what it is. A giant thank you to those unions for jumping on board. And of course today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. The Ben Jarofsky show with a brand new camera starts now. It is Wednesday, August 21st. And live from the Chicago Suntime Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson is back. It's the return of political strategist Candace Castillo and host of The Doris Davenport Show. Doris Davenport. And now your host, host of the Ben Jirowski Show, Chicago Reader Columnist Ben Jorofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jirowski here.
1: We're calling this The Honeymoon is Over Wednesday. And here's why. You know why we're calling it it's The Honeymoon is Over Wednesday, D? Uh,
0: I've been packing my bags ever since you walked in and told me. I think I do know. Because <laughs> it's Wednesday.
1: Oh. <laughs> That's the Wednesday part. And The Honeymoon is Over. <laughs> the honeymoon I'm talking about, of course, is the one that existed between progressives in the city of Chicago and Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Actually, I'm not sure that that honeymoon ever existed, but let me just go through some of the lists that have evidence that it is officially broken up. Heard about it from Misha Patel. Uh, yesterday when she was on the show, you can listen to it. She was talking about her disappointments with Lori Lightfoot on a couple fronts. But don't listen to it now. Download it and listen to it later. Right, D? There you go. Get you. All right, Gary. Thank you. I've learned that. And I read about it all in uh, Mark Brown's column. Today's bright one. Home delivered as always. About homeless advocates deeply disappointed by Lightfoot's shift to business as usual in politics. And I was, uh, what is it called? Texting back and forth with a certain alderman by the name Look of... Look, C- you. C- so hip what is hip babe
0: i'm oh, sorry Fantastic. there went the hip uh,
1: 1973 tower of power one of my favorite albums anyway uh with uh, carlos Ramirez mirrors rosie I had an earful to say he'll be on the show in about a week or so to talk about it uh at length anyway yes the honeymoon is over between progressives and lloyd lightfoot i'm not even sure d it actually ever existed okay um most progressives in the city of chicago favored tony preckwinkle in uh, the uh, April runoff between Preckwinkle and Lori Lifford, Remember that one, D? That was a long time ago. I remember it. Uh, most progressives uh, favored uh, Tony Preckwinkle over Lori Leifert. I, of course, uh, felt neither of them were truly progressive. This is my official position on the matter. Uh, if by progressive you define it, and this is how I define it, by someone who's on the front lines in the fights for justice uh, during the eras of uh, Daly and Rahm, for the most part, Lori and Tony were sort of of uh, Democrats of the under-the-table persuasion, as in, hey, come on out now. Uh-uh. <laughs> well, I Who's under uh, there? A lot of Democrats. I don't want to get Ron mad at me. Baby. Well, there's Democrats <laughs> under there now? It's oh, usually yeah. Republicans. No, it's just, oh, wait. There. They're down there with Browner, okay, uh, hanging out. Awful lot of space under that table. No, there's a lot of space. <laughs> People run under the table. Uh, so ben, you say that, not me, okay? You say that. All right. Ben will say anything, which is why he's always getting fired. Anyway, uh, so uh, that was my position, that neither one was really a true Democrat, but I think they were better than Republicans, and I think both of them were better than Rahm, so I think we're better off as a city, I will say that, to have Lori Lightfoot as our mayor as opposed to Rahm Emanuel, all right? or Mayor Daley, okay? Uh, but uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, that gets us to where they are today in terms of being progressives. When they were running for office, uh, Lori Lightfoot and Tony Preckwinkle sounded like the second coming of let's say uh, Ida B. Wells or Eugene Debs. They were advocating for to do what they could to sort of make Chicago a fair, more equitable city that more favorably uh, taxed the the, the excuse, Let me say this: that taxed the wealthy to fund finance programs for the poor, and make it. Open it for, uh, make it a more affordable city, make it a more welcoming city, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, well, over the last several months, uh, Lori Lightfoot has won, uh, abandoned many of those policies, including, most importantly, on the Lincoln Yards-Tiff deal, as we all know. Number one. <laughs> Yeah, man, I forgot about that number one thing you do. Uh, So the Lincoln Air TIF, of course, is that big mega project that will make Chicago more affordable by spending more, dedicating more of your property taxes to uh, an upscale project in a gentrifying neighborhood that does not need any subsidy to be developed. Uh, Instead of fighting that plan, as she said she would do uh, in the campaign, uh, Lori Lightfoot is actually fighting the lawsuit that's intended to torpedo the plan. How about that, Dee? Uh, she? We've talked about this with Misha Patel. Instead of fighting the plan, she's fighting the lawsuit. Hmm, all right, that's not very progressive. And then of course, uh, today's Mark Brown column. Is this number two? Yes, number two. Number, number two. Oh, thank you. Uh, Mark Brown's column, political uh, columnist for the, my beloved Chicago Sun-Times, home delivered. Oh.
0: We got a new camera, by the way, so if you're listening to this, Ben, let's try and talk these people into watching the live show. Oh, wait, time out. I keep looking at that camera. Yeah, you're camera. looking at the wrong one. Yeah, the lo- <laughs> That's the one I should look at? That's the one you should look at.
1: All right, I just have to say, take a brief break from uh, Don't talking Don't be too about aggressive. That. You're pointing right at him all. Uh, hello, <laughs> everybody. Uh, hello. <laughs> uh, Miles is, by the way, running this. Miles
0: correct? is our camera
1: oh, operator. Man, look at Miles. Just <laughs> <laughs> the next Quentin Tarantino over there. <laughs> uh, anyway, this camera, i like to give a shout out to an anonymous donor. He's a anonymous because he wants to remain unknown, hence the anonymity, but he was so generous as to, uh, what, contribute this camera to our cause, right, Dee, is that the right way of putting it? That was good, yeah. So anonymous donor, anonymous donor, thank you. Thank you, thank you. It's a great camera, and uh, Miles is wielding it well. All right, now, where was I on my list? Oh, yes, number two, home delivered as always. Mark Brown's column in the Chicago Sun-Times. Lori Lightfoot, as a candidate, had promised to uh, raise taxes on the sale of houses for more than a million dollars and use that money uh, to finance programs for the homeless. She has since retreated on that pledge. She still intends to raise the taxes on the well-to-do, uh, the sale of excuse me houses for more than a million dollars, but... She's going to use that money to cover basic operating costs for the city of Chicago. We have enormous operating costs in the city of Chicago. And I can't say that, D that I can really have to hammer her and criticize her on this point. Because once a mayor of the city of Chicago, once you're a mayor of the city of Chicago, uh, you have to deal with your Basic operating expenses. And one of them is to figure out how to pay your pension obligations, which the city has been shirking for many, many years, going back to Rahm and Daly. Well, mainly Rahm and Daly. They were the two mayors since 1989. And uh, so, Tony, uh, excuse me, Lori Lightfoot uh, feels compelled to meet those obligations. And so she's retreating from that promise to to use the money uh, to fight uh, affordability, excuse me, fight homelessness in the city of Chicago. And she has many progressives upset and i'll read this quote from mark brown's column from uh let's see who is the person i am quoting here i just want to make sure julie dworkin policy director for the chicago coalition of the homeless and this quote sort of says it all quote Lori life actions run counter to how the mayor promised to govern she wrote in a statement: "Instead, they resemble a textbook practice from a business as usual school of politics in Chicago, where candidates make bold promises to get votes during the campaign, and the reverse once in office due to circumstances they claim are unforeseen." Wow, that's pretty well written. Sounds like something I would write. D. Uh, well, wait—that's kind of bragging, isn't it? Yeah, uh, sorry, that's big I, time bragging. I didn't mean to say that. It was really well written. That has nothing to do with me, uh, but. Um, So anyway, yes, indeed, uh, being the mayor of the city of Chicago is a lot different than running for mayor of the city of Chicago. And uh, essentially, it seems as though when it comes to progressive issues in our mayors, promises are made to be broken. And the challenge remains much the same as it was during the ROM years. And that is to force our mayors uh, to raise uh, taxes on the wealthiest people to fund programs that help the poorest people. And it seems as though, one, they don't they don't want to do the first thing because that would lose support among the well-to-do and they don't really want to do the second thing because when it comes to voting most poor people don't vote so there's really no repercussions uh for not being a progressive mayor so that's the sad reality of progressive politics in the city of chicago and uh, if it's any consolation folks out there and i know this is really not much of a consolation but if it's any consolation i can guarantee you that tony preckwinkle would be doing the same thing we got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson will be here. The legendary Monroe Anderson. We, uh, Of course, I was off last week, so I missed my uh, Wednesday with Monroe, and he is so fired up to talk about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is apparently deciding to do with Jewish voters what he did with black voters and try to look for an issue that can wedge them away from the Democratic Party. We'll see uh, what Monroe's thoughts are of that. And also Greenland. All of a sudden, Donnie Trump was uh, going to buy Greenland while well, I was on vacation, D. He's going to buy uh, Greenland. Well, then... Apparently that deal is not working out. Talk to Monroe about that and all the other Trump news of the day. It's interesting to see. You know, uh, Trump is always taking credit for the economic upturn, and now it seems as though the economy may be going for a downturn. Will Trump find a way to blame that on Obama? Let's ask Monroe about that when he shows up. Uh, we also have Candace Castillo in the studio, the political strategist uh, who uh, oversaw several aldermanic campaigns in this last election. See what she has to say about Lori uh, and the budget. And then she also says she has some interesting things to say about the upcoming Democratic race for president. You know, the, I'm feeling that burn, D, right now. You're feeling a burn? <laughs> I'm feeling the burn. Oh, OK. All right. I'm feeling the burn. I I saw his interview with Joe Rogan, uh, and a big fan of Joe Rogan. I don't know if people know that. Uh, I thought it was a great interview, and Bernie really laid out what he wants to do uh, if elected president of the United States, and that, you know, D, hold on. A little more burn. Kool-Aid. Ah, Ah, it tastes good, yeah. So I'm feeling the burn. Remember, I was feeling like drinking that Kamala Kool Aid about two weeks ago. Uh, we'll see
0: which Kool Aid I'll be drinking in a couple weeks. I you said you were peeling a burn, like no. a sunburn, like <laughs> sicko. Keep it to yourself. Oh, like, That's yeah. gross. And,
1: and it would be seen on the camera that is being operated uh, by Miles. Anyway, and uh, Candace, and then finally our final guest of the day doris davenport the legendary doris davenport she wants to talk local politics national politics all kind of political she's got all kinds of theories about jeffrey epstein and uh so will be looking to engage her in all kind of political talks. so it'll be politics 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 but before we do any of that the young man from alton with the news
0: i'm dennis how's it going everybody we begin with the local news today our chicago mayor Lori lightfoot is still vacationing with her family <laughs> in Maine. Mm. Now, Ben, yesterday on the program, you had quite a bit to say about the state of Maine. Yeah. Most of it was pretty negative. Yeah. All of it, in fact, yeah. and kind of unnecessary, if you ask me. You yeah. call the entire state of Maine <laughs> really old. Now, yeah. uh, you told me here before the show you had some time to reflect on it and uh, you'd like to make an apology to the state of Maine. Is that correct? Yes. I'd
1: like to apologies to the state of Maine. I'm really sorry. Uh, what I said yesterday was totally unnecessary and. Um, I thought about it reflected upon it and um, good you know i really feel bad so to the state of maine you're not that old i mean okay you're a little old uh, probably older than most people even older than i am you know uh nobody wants to m- live in maine that's the main problem no pun intended there i mean because it's like really cold
0: the main problem get it guys by the
1: way and you ever been driving through maine the streets are horrible maybe like, well no indiana's worse okay, than Maine. It's supposed okay. to be a compliment. <laughs> Uh, but I love lobster. Did I tell you I love lobster? There you go. There you go. Okay. And I love Stephen King novels. Although if you can read any Stephen King novel, you're never going to want to go anywhere near Maine. All right. Then Maine had that insane governor. I'm sorry. Oh. the state of Maine. <laughs> oh, sorry, Maine. Didn't you know? Why would you go to Maine? Are Please you, no, stop. No, we. <laughs> We're ahead. Let's keep going. Oh, here. by the way, have you ever gone swimming off the? You know, I've, I've never been to Maine in my life. It oh, looks and so, sounds fantastic. <laughs> it's so cold. The water's so cold in Maine. Like you know, I I recommend going to Michigan or
0: something. Oh, yeah, okay. You know. Well, that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> All of our listeners in Maine, please stick around.
1: We'd love to have you. What was that crazy governor of Maine's name? Where's I don't Frank know. Frank, when I need him, man. Dude, oh, they, hey, Frank,
0: governor of Maine. What's his name? He'll, he'll be. He'll insane, have it in a minute.
1: Insane governor. He was Trump before Trump. He was more right wing and. Uh, Toxic than Donald Trump, if such a thing is possible. All
0: right, remember, people, August 29th, Mayor Lightfoot will be addressing the public with her Chicago budget plan. And according to our Lori Lightfoot budget address countdown clock, (laughs) hear that? (laughs) Listen, that's the (laughs) clock. You hear that? Volume's kind of low on it. But according Uh, (laughs) to that, all right, we have one week, seven days, 172 hours. 1,363 minutes uh, and a lot of seconds. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of seconds. 621,793 seconds. All
1: right. Before Lori delivers that uh, Before she message. delivers that yeah. speech. All right. And uh, let me just say this about that. Uh, Lori Lightfoot is no dummy. She's already shown that she knows how to play the game of politics pretty well. Uh, she has gone away, far away. She went to Maine. All right. Uh, and by the way, my apologies to Maine one more time. I didn't mean anything that I said about it, uh, except for the part about the people being really old uh, anyway. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, she, she leaves town and then has her aides leak out stories about how, uh it's going to be a, a very tough speech with some bad news etc so she's not here to absorb those first blows but the message is already out so it's officially all quote, quote unquote old news by the time she gets her brilliant move uh by uh, Lori lightfoot uh she learned uh, from the, some of the masters the maestros of how to trot out these budget things and uh yeah i think it's gonna be bad news for people of progressive persuasion when she delivers that message she's uh, clearly not go, she's backing off on the, her promise about, uh, uh, setting aside a, f- a fund for, to fight homelessness already. So I uh, just, as I just talked about by Mark Brown's column. So yeah, she's getting ready to deliver some bad news for progressives.
0: All right. Any, uh, any specifics, anything you've had some time to think about while on vacation, of this budget play and anything like that? Well, no,
1: I, I, this is one-on-one of budgets, uh, what she's about to do. And, uh, we'll probably be talking a lot about this, but what an incoming mayor always does is present the worst possible scenario. What budget is uh to the people so that in this case she can blame it on her predecessor Rahm Emanuel and I do not feel sorry in any way for Mayor Rahm Mayor Rahm spent eight years in office blaming everything on his predecessor Richard Daly the only difference is will uh Lori Lightfoot name Mayor Rahm remember uh Rahm always would blame his predecessor for kicking the can down the road. Remember that one, D? Uh-huh. But he would never name the predecessor because he's still scared of Mayor Daley. So we'll see if uh, Lori Lightfoot is afraid of Mayor Rahm. I don't think Mayor Rahm has the same fear uh, in Chicago politics that Mayor the Daley's do. Uh, so anyway, so yes, this is 101 of politics. You blame everything on your predecessor. And then any improvements that occur, you take all the credit for them. If there's any improvements, uh, you can take. By the way, Donald Trump is doing the same thing uh, with, with our economy in the White House, we'll be talking about that with Monroe. Blames anything bad he can on uh, Barack Obama, and anything good he can, uh, he takes credit for. So that's what Lori Leif will be up to at her speech next week.
0: More city news here. Mayor Pete, welcome to Chicago. <laughs> the following comes from the Chicago Sun Times and one Sam Charles, South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg brought his presidential campaign to Bronzeville Tuesday night, addressing addressing excuse me a host of issues related to race in the. United United States. Ben, I know you love Mayor Pete, so how was it? You were there, right? Uh, no, I, <laughs> I couldn't make it. What was I doing? Hmm. I was
1: uh, I was watching Joe Rogan interview uh, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> That's right. Bigger fish doing. to fry, I uh, guess. Yeah, but uh, anyway, my beloved Brightbone had an article about that. I give a shout out to Sam Charles. I uh, He had a great sentence in there. And the I don't want to step on your story. Do you have a follow-up on this one? It's right. got quotes. All right. Uh, well, anyway, um, the story in the Sun-Times and the Tribune. Got to give the Tribune credit, too. They concentrated on this point. So, all right, here. Follow me on this, uh, folks. Pete Buttigieg, uh, as you all know, 37-year-old mayor of South Bend, Indiana. And uh, he made his name in about the last three months running for president of the United States. Has gotten raised more money than pretty much anybody outside of uh, Warren and Sanders and Biden. Uh, He's really elevated his presence. He's a very good talker, smooth talker, very smart guy, clearly, D. Got a great resume. Let's give him a shout out, give him some love. At the same time, as mayor of South Bend, he has not had, how do I put this, uh, the best of relations with South Bend's black community. We had Henry Davis on the show talking about that, the former councilman, uh, current councilman uh, in South Bend who ran against uh, Mayor Pete. And uh, so Mayor Pete, as a result, is very unknown, and the first news that most black uh, voters hear about him is sort of a negative one he's at zero percent among blacks uh in the public opinion polls zero percent can't do much worse than that zero percent uh henry davis who's a wise guy says he thinks that donald trump has more black support uh than pete uh, Buttigieg. henry i disagree with you on that point but uh, it was a funny line anyway uh anyway uh so today's story uh, in the sun times and the Tribune. Uh, is about how mayor pete went to bronzeville let's give him a shout out there uh to preach the need for unity between blacks and whites he uh, went to the harold washington cultural center uh, and um, he gave a speech and guess what the place was packed and almost everybody in the audience was white Hmm. Uh, I first learned about this from our good friend, Sergio Mims, who talk about a wise guy. Uh, Hey, Sergio. Sergio put on his Facebook. Now, I I was wondering why there are all these white people on the train going to the south side. Now I know. And it was a link to (laughs) Sergio's got a million of them. Anyway, here's what Sam Charles wrote. Uh, Pastor Chris Henry of Bright Star Church introduced Buttigieg to the stage and noted the largely monochromatic nature of the audience in his warm-up address. Quote, Next time we have this kind of event, especially in Bronzeville, clap if you agree. We need some more black faces, Harris said to rousing applause. Next time you can't leave your black and brown friends at home. I, I love that on two fronts. Number one, the use of the word monochromatic nature. I want to give a shout out to Sam Charles. I had to look it up, D. Do you know what monochromatic means? <laughs> no, <laughs> one color. I'm reading. I'm on the train going. Dang, this is a smart guy for the Sun Times. I looked that up, and then I, of course, immediately texted uh, Ramana, who is a guest uh, every Friday in the Ben Jarowski show. Ramana Hussein, editor for the Chicago Sun Times. Hey, Ramana, did you do this? I want to give her the shout out. No, she couldn't even take credit for. It. So we're gonna have to give Sam Charles credit. Uh, Chicago Sun Times writer has a pretty good line. Monochromatic nature of the audience, uh, and then I liked uh, Chris Harris's quote. Next time you can't leave your black and brown friends at home home yes sir that applies to pete hey pete i got advice for you call henry davis i got his number you give him a call maybe he'll come to your next rally all right let's uh, you know what uh racial racial peace uh starts at home and so let's you know deal with the issues at south bend and maybe you'll be higher in the polls
0: uh, with black voters all right on to the illinois governor after years of neglect illinois is finally getting its mojo And we're open for business. And unlike Mayor Lightfoot, J.B. Pritzker is definitely not on vacation. (laughs) One look at his Wednesday schedule will will prove it. And my Lord, does this man love signing legislation? (laughs) A quick recap here, by the way, of what our Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker loves. The Rock Band, the Eagles. The Steve Miller Band. Horses. And that's not a band. He really (laughs) loves actual horses. He bought a horse farm right after he won the election. Yes, he did. And yes, signing legislation. Mm -hmm. Oh, and let us not forget this as well. And for the record, I love puppies. (laughs) Puppies! Yeah, J.B. Governor J.B. Pritzker was at the partially newly refurbished James R. Thompson Center. I say partially, just his offices are refurbished.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But you can't expect him to pay for the whole office. the whole thing! (laughs) Good <laughs>
0: He was I at spent a, all that money in the horse farm. He's at the Thompson Center in the morning yeah. to sign legislation strengthening uh, strengthening protections for immigrant tenants throughout the state. His afternoon plans include yes, signing more legislation uh, at the St. <laughs> Leonard's Ministries. Pritzker is signing a legislation package expanding voting rights, civic engagement, and educational and rehabilitation programming in Illinois' criminal justice system. Yeah, okay, very good for him.
1: You know, I'm basically uh, pretty pleased with JB Pritzker's reign as uh, I have some issues with them the gambling bill got some issues with them as everybody knows but uh, by and large I can't complain too much about JB big improvement over the last governor that's for sure <laughs>
0: now we have mentioned several times here on the program that this new governor yeah complete 180 of the old one mm-hmm. you know the one who just vetoed damn near every bill that came his way Illinois governor Bruce Rauner. Yay for our teachers! <laughs> Yay for
1: our teachers! Him? I knew you were going to play that.
0: But hey, don't get it twisted, all right? Governor Pritzker knows how to veto bills, too. Pritzker today has vetoed SB2124, which provides that a student must be expelled for a period of not less than one year if he or she brings to school a school-sponsored activity or event or an activity or event that bears a reasonable relationship to school, uh, a spring gun, paintball gun, or BB gun irrespective of the type or size of projectile that can be fired or the gun's muzzle velocity.
1: All right. Now, I've not I must I have a confession here. I'm I'm not aware of the ins and outs of this particular bill, but I'm very curious that you're reading it. So the, the bill would what what would the bill do a mandate punishment a certain type of punishment if you bring a bb gun to school yeah yeah so in no other words if you bring a bb gun to school you're automatically punished by like i don't know suspended for a day or two or something like that is that what you're
0: saying yeah yeah when, when i read a little more here i think you'll okay, understand my bad. the, the bill passed the senate unanimously mm-hmm. and only one person voted no in the house our Democratic friend, Delia Ramirez. Okay. Here's the statement from Pritzker. Quote, today I veto Senate bill 2124 from the 101st general assembly, which would have amended the Illinois school code. My administration appreciates the hard work of the sponsors of the legislation in the Senate and the house. While this legislation was well intended, the school code already equips school boards, superintendents and administrators with the tools necessary to discipline students who bring inappropriate, potentially harmful objects to school. The statement goes on to say, quote, our state must do everything possible to prepare students for academic success, career advancement and civic life. Too many students are derailed during their academic careers and entangled in the school to prison pipeline. State law should be crafted to ensure that students are not disproportionately disciplined in a manner that affects the long term trajectory of their success in school and life. The school code reflects this philosophy by recommending that school officials consider forms of non-exclusionary discipline prior to using out of school suspensions or
1: expulsions. Mm, I see where he's going with this. But this unanimously passed the Senate and only one person voted no in the House. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So if they choose they're going to obviously override his veto. So this is 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 either this is going to be evidence folks of one of two things. One uh, a showboat move by uh, Pritzker, like when he, it gets overridden, he could say, hey, I tried. All right. You know, cause he didn't really obviously he didn't fight the bill when it was on the floor since it passed unanimously in the Senate. Uh, so it could be a showboat thing. And or a kid, you could watch the maestro at work, uh, Michael Madigan, bury the le- bury the bill and not even bring it up for a veto vote, in which case it just quietly gets vetoed. Uh, but uh, either way, uh, I'm having I have to think about this and ponder this one as I go through my day, uh, D. And. Uh, I understand that you don't want to uh, send kids off to jail too early or too soon, uh, but dang, bringing a gun to school? I don't know. I think that should be outlawed, don't you? So that's my general thoughts on that. one. But you said downstate people would be opposed to— uh, I don't know
0: if they'd be opposed, but like, just gun culture is just completely different
1: downstate. You know, mm, hunting— yeah. Well, you know, it got a unanimous, it was passed unanimously in the Senate uh, and uh, almost unanimously in the House, so it doesn't seem like there's much downstate opposition. So anyway, I got a feeling uh, that this is either going to be a showboat move uh, by uh, Pritzker or you'll watch the maestro bury the veto vote.
0: All right. So there you go. Some uh, local news happening today. Ben, do you, you feel that in the air? Oh, yeah. Feels like football season? It is football season, which means that the best sports reporters in Chicago want to offer you, yes, you, our listeners, an exclusive deal on unlimited digital access to all, and that's A-L-L, all. The stories that you love. Don't miss a game this season. Get all the big play scores and stories from the Chicago Sun-Times for a limited time only. You can lock in our lowest rate yet, only ninety nine for a full year of all the news and sports that you need to know. Stay up to date on Break Breaking news get the deep dives and investigations from sun times reporters and go deep inside city hall with the best in class political reporting and of course cheer for the big games with the best sports team in the city 29.99 for a full year of unlimited access You cannot do better than that. Take advantage of this exclusive deal now at Suntimes.com forward slash Ben. Coming up after this little break, we are going to talk with the legendary Chicago journalist, Monroe Anderson. Yes, he's here and he's ready to riff. (laughs) We'll be right back, everybody. (laughs) attention chicago innovators and creators 2019 chicago ideas week is coming soon this week-long annual ideas festival is returning in october and it's the largest most affordable ideas festival of its kind they bring in hundreds of thought leaders from around the globe and some local to share ideas and spark action to get a better idea of what to expect here's a bit of audio from last year's chicago ideas week with special guest and chicago comedian Cameron Esposito.
2: Everything that I have ever tried to do has had two motivations. One is I really do believe in trying to create social change. And then the other one is I'm scared and alone too. So I would like for you to join me. You know, every job that I have, I try to make sure to hold the door open. That's like my uh, motto for, for um, like if I get through, you're coming with me. And I really, I believe in that wholeheartedly. And uh, especially if I have more privilege than you, like I'm holding the door open for you um, even wider.
0: For more Chicago Ideas videos, head to ChicagoIdeas.com forward slash watch and to get a sampling of what we have coming up for the festival, ChicagoIdeas.com forward slash attend. Tickets for Chicago Ideas Week go on sale to members on August 22nd and general public September 10th. Once again, if you're a creator or innovator in the city of Chicago, you do not want to miss Chicago Ideas Week. For all the information that you need to know, head to ChicagoIdeas.com and we hope to see you there.
1: Hey everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U E L P I A N I S T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel.
0: break over welcome back to the Ben Drosky show Live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed. We are live from the
1: Chicago Sun-Times. And the legendary Monroe Anderson is in the building. I missed you, Monroe. I didn't
3: see you for a full week. Oh, I know. Well, you you were laying on the beach working on your suntan. <laughs>
1: That's what I was Look doing. at it. Look at that tan. <laughs> I know. I was just laying there, feeling really good, walking through the water, having great thoughts. Right. Walking and, through and, the water. Right. Yeah.
3: And, and the good Lord gave me my I said, don't worry about it, Monroe. <laughs>
1: The good Lord gave Monroe that beautiful tan. Oh, thank you, good Lord, every day you wake up. Exactly, right. Thank you, good Lord, for this beautiful tan. Except when I
3: get stopped by a cop.
1: Yeah, and then in which case, Lord, can you give me a break? Exactly. Uh, How about a break in this uh, tan thing? So anyway, so much Trump talk to, uh, tr- so much Trump news to talk about. And of course, Monroe and I have been having an t- ongoing Trump conversation for over two years now. And uh, right, right. And, and I have a question for oh, you. Oh, go ahead. I okay. love questions. Yes, are you Jewish? Yes, I am.
3: My God, this is shocking <laughs> to me because I didn't realize that. There were all these things you didn't know, and how disloyal you are.
1: Yeah, and dumb. Don't forget uh, that. Yeah, right. Exactly.
3: Right. Dumb. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, Yes. Uh, All all of you, I guess. Well, eighty percent. Yeah, the eighty percent that vote Democratic instead of Republican.
1: I I know you're like saying many of my friends are Jewish is one of those things you shouldn't say. But (laughs) in the case of Monroe, I know you have many Jewish friends, right? Yes. do you, are any of your Jewish friends voting for Donald Trump that you know of? Are any of them?
3: Not one that I know of. Eighty <laughs> <80% laughs> right.
1: right. uh, percent voted against Trump. in the effectively voted against Trump in the 2018 elections. Correct. Yes. Uh, and yet Donald Trump has decided that the key to his political reelection is to go full out to try to separate Jews. From the Democratic Party.
3: Well, issue. he's a separator. You know, he, he, his whole political um, mo is divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. And so he separ- You know, he separated us. You know, it's, a, it's a, he he separated Muslims. He separated um, Mexicans and South Americans and gays. And the only, only 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 person that he hasn't separated two things two two groups. Russians, and white nationalists.
1: (laughs) And some might say they're the same thing. Uh, Yeah, he loves uh, Russian operatives for Putin, and uh, he loves white nationalists. Right,
3: exactly. But other than that, screw you.
1: All right, well, let's uh, take a little deeper dive. We'll be talking about this um, uh, at length tomorrow. I know Lori Glenn will be coming in the show to talk about this. She's all fired up. But but Donald Trump, I, I guess he was just riffing yesterday in an interview and uh, he he again was coming back to his favorite theme um, which is to put the head of congresswoman omar and talib on the the necks of the Democratic Party
3: oh they're they they're, they're the symbol they've been in office for seven seven months <laughs> seven months <laughs> and, and and now they they're the total embodiment of the Democratic Party that is correct that's what Donald Trump's
1: uh operative, operative mo- movement is all about uh, and uh also congresswoman Presley but not as yeah, much for exactly. Massachusetts but
3: but you know what his problem is
1: well, well, which one? Yeah, but.
3: right. That the symbol of the Republican Party is Donald Trump. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if he could get away from that, he'd be in good shape. Yeah,
1: yeah well, this, yeah, that's a very good point. He is the symbol of the, uh, the Republican Party. Anyway, and so, of course, while I was gone, we didn't talk about this because I wasn't here. Right. Uh, Donald Trump baited prime minister Netanyahu of Israel yes. to denying access uh, to Israel uh, from uh, for congresswoman Omar and congresswoman Talib right. and Trump it looked as though Israel was going to let them in they were uh, going to tour Israel and various uh, spots in the Middle East right. uh and then Donald Trump tweeted this happened last week when I was on vacation yes. saying uh, he
3: said if Ben's on vacation I can get away with it right now <laughs>
0: And that Monroe (laughs) won't be around. (laughs) That dastardly Monroe.
1: Uh, Yeah, so so he tweeted, Israel would be weak. This is what he tweeted. Israel would be weak uh, if they allowed uh, these congresswomen in. And so Netanyahu took the bait. He is in a heated re-election fight of his own. So he wants to look, quote, unquote, tough on whatever, Muslims, blacks, congresswomen from America. And he denied them access uh, to Israel and uh, and then in the fallout that uh, it's been about a week Donald Trump doubled down like he loves to well, do.
3: There, well, another thing happened while you were on vacation. Okay. Um, Israel changed their minds and and invited to leave. But they had all these restrictions. She couldn't go here. She only could use the bathroom between noon and two in the afternoon, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. And so she chose, although she wanted to see her 90-year-old grandmother, mm-hmm. she declined. And yeah. then they said, ha, I yeah. thought you wanted to see your 90-year-old <laughs> grandma. <laughs> by,
1: by the way, we should bring our, our good friend Ray Hanania back. Yeah, right. Ray was yeah. on the show with you yes. about three months ago, four months yeah. ago, and he was saying the reason he voted for Trump, because he thought Trump would be more open-minded yeah. to the Palestinian cause. And the yeah, well, How's that working yeah. out, Ray? Right, uh,
3: no, and, and Ray is a, a, is a Palestinian Christian, which makes a difference. Well,
1: whatever, he still yeah. voted for Donald Trump. Yeah, oh, I know. All right. uh, so anyway, uh, so yes, uh, they... Uh, said Tlaib could come she said she didn't want to come with those restrictions right. and uh, and so Donald Trump then uh, doubled down yes. uh, yesterday uh, at, in uh, a press conference on our, on our side uh, where he said that any Jew who uh, votes for the Democrats at this stage is disloyal Yes, and Monroe that whole thing about being disloyal
3: is an a, a, a anti Semitic trope. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. And Mayor Rahm. You, you guys have been disloyal in Germany. You've been disloyal. You've been disloyal all over the world. It's you know? always an excuse. Right. They're
1: disloyal. Exactly. Poland, Germany, right. Russia. Yeah. Disloyal. Right.
3: Exactly. Now America. Now America.
1: Yes. Wow. And I, I just never thought I'd see a president openly saying it. You know what I'm saying? He went where nobody would dare to go.
3: Books and movies a hundred years from now will be still talking about the stuff that people never thought Donald Trump would say, a president would say. He's gonna become the uh, poster child for villainy among presidents. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. uh, every time you don't think he go lower, right? He right, goes lower,
1: right, right? And I just want to put this in the context: this is the same president of the United States who refused to uh, denounce Nazis who are marching through the streets of Charlottesville, Virginia, in 2017 with their little torches. Remember that?
3: Oh, so uh, they're good people on both sides. You
1: good people on both sides? Yes. yes. This is the guy who suddenly worried about Jewish people.
3: Oh, well, not only that, but <laughs> with with this whole Greenland. Um, um, Denmark thing, yeah. He he called the prime minister yeah. nasty. Now that's something he says for women. You know, any women, any woman who who upsets him or anything, she's nasty. Yeah. And he said that she was the reason he's not going. Not because of Obama, of course, but because. Um, she was disrespectful to the United States. Yeah, so I will right, we'll get right. into that. Yeah, okay.
1: all right. yeah, well, no, because that's uh, he's associating. Uh, she's not taking uh, talking to me. She's talking to the United States of America. Was the quote? We'll get to that. Okay, uh, what that was is the height of hypocrisy for Donald Trump. Oh yeah, right, exactly. Uh, okay, the height of hypocrisy.
3: Who, who, who talks bad about everybody but? Donald mm-hmm. Trump.
1: Yeah, well, okay, yeah. All right, so let's go back uh, to what he's trying to do with Jewish voters. Okay. Uh, I contend it's the same thing that he is attempting to do with black voters, yes. which is uh, separate them from the Democratic Party. Right. Now, in the case of Jewish voters, I think the strategy is he could, he's actually hoping that Jewish voters will vote for him. Yes. OK, so instead of voting for whoever the nominee is, right. they will vote for Donald Trump. And that right. could help him in swing states like Florida and Pennsylvania, et cetera. OK, uh, with black voters, I think he doesn't really believe that any black person would vote for Donald Trump.
3: Oh, he does. He's a narcissist, a, remember? Well, that's true. Yeah.
1: He, uh, but strategically, the the best he can get, f- and realistically, yeah. is that they don't show up to vote at all. Yeah. And so I think that is the a, a strategy of the of most Republican operatives.
3: Well, that's the Republican Party in general. I mean, that's why they have all these um, key states where they're suppressing the vote, like Wisconsin, for example. Or Georgia. Yeah, exactly. So they're suppressing the vote, Um, But what they've they've managed to do is fire up African-Americans so much that if they have to stand in line for five hours to vote against Trump, they're going to do it.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about that for a moment, Uh, the black vote uh, for Donald Trump. Right. And I've had this conversation uh, with many people uh, over the last few months. Uh, they'll see videos on uh, YouTube, et cetera, of black people uh, extolling the virtues of Donald Trump. There's yeah. a few high-profile cases, yeah. and uh, from there, uh, it's it's easy to make the assumption that a lot of black people are for Donald Trump. Right. In your humble opinion, is that an accurate statement to oh, make?
3: God. <laughs> <laughs> Just it out there. I have I have three Facebook friends. Okay. Out of five thousand. Okay. That are for now. Well, all of them are black, of course, but but these three bl- black three black Facebook friends mm-hmm. who are for Trump and <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, three of them, right? Exactly. And when they tried James in is one. Oh, other, our old friend, friend James, yeah, right. Yeah. And then Stephanie Trussell, who has a, uh, a, a talk show on mm-hmm. one of the, the radio stations. And um, then there's this guy, Willie Love. I don't know where he comes from. But anyway, these are the, and, and none of them make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, zero uh, sense. Yeah. And, and, you know, when, when, when they're extolling the virtues of Trump, uh, what I will do is, is tell them, well, um, what, what are all, all his black advisors in his inner circle say? And like, Oh, there's only one, yeah. Uncle Ben. <laughs> That's it. Okay. Out of his entire everybody. Yeah. Now that doesn't come by accident, especially when you think that S- Stephen Miller is the most powerful man in, in in the West Wing right now. That's frightening. Yeah, who's a white nationalist. Mm-hmm. But then the president is, too, so.
1: Yeah, I urge everybody, by the way, there was an article in the New York Times, which I, I think it came out this weekend, uh, about Stephen Miller. Talked about the role he plays. He's uh, a bizarre own evolution uh, to the philosophies that he has. Right. Uh, he's extremely, he, he has an extreme hostility uh, to immigrants from south of the border, which is maniacal, Right. I, don't quite understand it. Oh, uh, yeah. Because it's not borne out by any reality right. that exists in this country.
3: And, and they just put forth this morning uh, a new policy that they're going to have where um, they can keep um, a family, immigrant family, mm-hmm. in detention in perpetuity. So basically, we're going to have concentration camps in America for uh, Hispanics.
1: Yeah. And uh, you just saying that? Well, if, if if you calling them concentration camps is is will, will be tw- like tweeted out by the right. See, this is yeah. this is part of the like the the insidious games that they play. Yeah. So they'll they'll say Jewish voters. He called them a concentration camp that denigrates what Jews went through in the Holocaust. This is part of them, like the mind game. Oh, yeah. Where the Republican Party is at oh, now, yeah. like this well, political jujitsu that yeah, they're doing.
3: Except they. They, they they just dismiss me because I'm godless <laughs> and far left. So it's, I'm hopeless. I mean, it's, I don't even count as well, far as they concerned.
1: The right-wingers engage you on Facebook. They love to, to battle you yeah, on Facebook. Right. And, and when we took sh- uh, calls at the old show, they yeah. love to you, scared them all off. Right, right, uh, right. <laughs> they, right. Know, they would love to try to engage you. So they do right. want to engage you, you know.
3: Yeah, yeah, they try, but the problem is that all the n- nonsense they s- Speak. Mm-hmm. I have a answer for it. An answer for it. I, I go to a link and I present the answer. You know, for example, with Trump making the claim that um, Ob- um, Obama um, kicked Putin, Russia. Yeah, let's talk about this. Out of the G, out of the G eight. Mm-hmm. So now it's the G seven because. Um, Putin outsmarted Obama. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that, Trump that's what Trump is saying. That's what Trump is saying. And this is why Obama, all by himself, <laughs> I, would just say, I declare the out <laughs> of the, outer, the, the uh, G8. It yeah. will now be the G7. Yeah. Um, he failed to mention that Russia invaded and is occupying um, Crimea. Mm-hmm. He failed to mention that Russia shot down commercial passenger airplane, and and that might ha- have a little bit more to do with it than. Um Obama being outsmarted <laughs> by Trump some mysterious way that we don't quite know about. Because he never spelled this stuff out. He just makes these declarations. And that's the end of yeah, it. Yeah, he
1: makes declarations that may or may not have a kernel of truth yeah. uh, to go with all kinds of made-up uh, fantasies. Right. Uh, and then the mainstream media, I talk about this, the media's responsibility is to break out the truth and the fiction. Right. Uh, and by then, he's moved on to something else. Right. And, uh, most people aren't paying attention well, anyway.
3: According to the Washington Post, he's now up to 12,000 and some lies. Mm, yeah. In, in almost three years.
1: Well, let's, let's, uh, let's talk about this obsession he has with Barack Obama in, in, uh, in that example you just gave, uh, where he is faster to vilify Barack Obama yes. than he is to vilify Vladimir Putin.
3: Uh, he never, seriously, he has never ever said one <laughs> negative thing about Putin. Not one. Um, he hates Obama because um, Obama f- fronted him off at that correspondence dinner. Mm-hmm. Remember when Obama oh, did yeah. his routine and yes. said, said that uh, deciding between meatloaf and somebody as to who's going to be fired really keeps him up at night.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But by the way, he had already just, I mean, Trump had already uh, targeted Obama with tweets, et cetera. two thousand eleven. was 2011, yeah. I think it was the right. year, if I get the year correct, it was, it was the night, it was a speech Obama delivered the night before their raid uh, where he um, uh bin, uh, bin Laden was killed. I don't know if you know there was that night, it was it was a Saturday night, and then yeah. Sunday was the raid. Yeah, uh, and uh, oh, oh, Trump was in the audience, and Obama mocked him. But Trump had been p- promoting the uh, birther theory, oh, yeah, for months. Yeah,
3: you know, he was the godfather of the birther yeah. theory. He, he didn't create it, but he kept it going. Yeah, and you know, I don't know if you recall this or not, but at one point. He had sent some 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 private investigators to Hawaii to prove that Obama wasn't born in Hawaii. And you'd be surprised at what they're finding, what they come up with. Yeah. And and by the way, I wouldn't be
1: surprised. He had a kind of sort of back off from that uh, yeah. at during the campaign, presidential right. campaign. Right. He was very reluctant to do that. I wouldn't right. be surprised if he brings it back. Uh, you know, if you. With some court, if if he feels that strategically it's going to work for him, or if he just you know loses his mind and, and goes off on that, well, discord.
3: there is you know there is a growing theory that the man is cray cray. I mean seriously, that he had, well, and if you recall, a year and a half, two years ago, whenever you and I first started having our conversations mm-hmm. on the air, yeah, I said that he, I thought he had early Alzheimer's onset Alzheimer's. And it's getting worse.
1: I think there's, there could be some validity to that. I, I do. Uh, either that or he's crazy like a fox. But uh, uh, so the. the um, it could be both. Uh, so, what's your sense of how effective. Okay. So, his strategy to separate blacks from the Democratic Party.
3: No, it's not. It's, that's not the real strategy. The strategy is to fire up the Trump nuts so that they come out in greater numbers. This, this is going to be a base election. And so if he can fire up the Trump nuts, uh, those, those, because some of them didn't vote either. So, and, and he's not going to win the popular vote. He may lose the popular vote by as many as five million. But mm-hmm. um, the way geography works in this country, there are certain key states where there are more Trump nuts than there are um um, smart Americans, intelligent <laughs> Americans, so he could he could get an electoral college uh, victory. At least there's one theory on that. Yeah, and that and and that's what they think he's playing for. It's just again, um, Philadelphia, Michigan, uh, Ohio. Well, there's
1: then there's uh, the, the keys to to winning those states. Uh, it's a two prong attack that we've been talking about today. One, get Jewish voters to flip and vote for him, right. and two, to repress and suppress the black vote as much as possible, yes. either by uh, going making them, black people wait five hours in line, like you say, yes. all the little tricks of the trade that right. they pro- play, or just feed this sort of nihilistic attitude that there's no difference between a Democrat and a Republican and why bother voting either way. But each one is an, is an effective tool and tactic to use.
3: Yes, and, and 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 the Russians are at play on the Internet. So you have that you know the people that gave us Donald Trump the first time are mm-hmm. trying to give it to us give him to us again and so they are playing around on the internet and it's it's um it's now been realized that they can actually get into our voting systems yeah right. it's not I just, just bad pr yeah. yeah yeah it's not just bad pr but they can actually i uh, hack our voting systems. Uh,
1: by the way, speak, a, a thought just popped in my mind, going back to Obama and uh, Donald Trump uh, and the way Trump tries to blame Obama for absolutely everything. Uh, one of Trump's... Uh, Great claims is that the economy has really boomed under him. In fact, in your great debate with Willie Wilson, which I, by the way was one of the great debates of all time, right? <laughs> Monroe right, and right Willie there Wilson
3: and the, the Nixon JFK. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Willie showed up at the show early a couple weeks ago when Monroe was here, and uh, we we ushered him right in immediately. And Willie Wilson, of course, the former mayoral candidate, of city of Chicago, and he was there promoting his reparations plan, which I have a lot of sympathy for, yeah. uh, and uh, but. At the same token, he doesn't want to raise taxes on rich people to pay for it. Right. So I'm not sure how we're going to pay for this reparations right. plan. Right. I pointed that out to Willie, and uh, he managed to avoid uh, dealing with that issue. Uh, but you guys got into a debate. Willie's um a little sympathetic, let's put it that way, to Donald John Trump, yes. and he Speak,
3: was- Speaking of, of lost black men. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> uh,
1: and uh, so Willie Wilson uh, was saying, well, you have to give Trump credit for the booming economy and uh, black people going to work, and you said that was Obama, yes. and then he immediately said, well, you can't, if, you, you know what I mean? You can't, uh, uh, you gotta give Trump credit for some things. You can't just, you can't have a two ways on it. So what if the economy turns? yes. Is that going to be Donald Trump's fault, or is he going to figure out a way to blame that on Obama?
3: Nothing is ever Donald Trump's yeah. fault. It's, it's it, When things are good, it's because he did it. When they're bad, it's because of somebody else. Right now, apparently, it's the Fed. If the economy goes bad, it will be the Fed that messed it up I because see. they didn't cut um, the... Um, um, interest rates yeah. by one full point. Okay.
1: So he's got an excuse already. Yes. Uh, by the way, all right. Uh, and,
3: and part of why he's been acting so crazy for the last couple of days is because um, Fox, of all places, had had a poll out that had four Democrats beating him. Oh, so I missed yeah. that. I yeah, missed no, that when I was on vacation. Right, exactly. Four. Uh, Biden be- beat him by, I think, um 18 points or something i can't remember oh but huge um bernie beat them um um harris beat them warren beat him. so yeah that's the wow, four that's four all right now let's
1: yeah. uh, uh, i got to ask you uh, since you mentioned the the Democratic candidate, it's been over a week. Uh, you know me; I sort of fluctuate week to week. I was yeah. drinking that Kamala Kool Aid a little while yeah, ago. Right. Now I'm feeling the burn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, so, um, are you feeling for Mayor Pete by any chance? Are you uh, feeling the mayor? He was in town. No, he went no, 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 no. to Bronzeville. Uh,
3: no, I, I like the lady who has a plan for everything.
1: Oh, you're you're feeling the <laughs> you're drinking Warren. that Elizabeth yeah, Warren Kool Aid. exactly. Kool-Aid? I like
3: Elizabeth Warren. Although again, any of them (laughs) would be better than Trump. Yeah, you know, uh, if 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 uh, Delaney. Um, Why even mention Delaney? If Delaney says, oops, changed my mind, I'm back in the race, and he wins.
1: Wait, time out. I must have missed something. When I was, Did Delaney drop out of yes, the race? Yes. Well I was on vacation? Right, exactly. Nobody
0: it, told me that. Exactly, D, you didn't yeah. send me a text. Oh, man.
3: <laughs> I yeah, missed no, that. He, he's out, but uh, Steyer is in. Oh well, no. He I
1: already knew Steyer was in. Yeah. I, maybe Delaney dropped out. and I've just forgot he was no, so he, bad in the depo- in the in the debates. Right. He was my least right. favorite Democrat. Yeah.
3: And and uh, the governor. Oh, Hickenlooper's out. Yeah, loopers, yeah out looper's out. Yeah, Hickenlooper's out. Yeah.
1: So um, that leaves.
3: And he's going to run for the Senate.
4: Well, good. He yeah. should have run for the Senate See, and, in the first and, and, place. And
3: that's a problem that with the Democrats right now. Many they problems have.
4: with the Democrats. Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. But but, but in, instead of um, Beto running for president, he's not going to get it. Then he should drop out and run for the Senate. Um, Stacey Adams um, refuses to run. Abrams. For the, Abrams, I mean, yeah. Abrams. Yeah. Refuses to run in Georgia. Yeah. Uh, she wants to um, stop voter suppression, which is not a bad mission. No, it's an important mission. But if we, if, if Democrats don't take over the Senate, then we can have a president in the office and uh, Moscow Mitch, We'll still screw it all up.
1: Well, you know uh, what? I was listening to Bernie Sanders. is part of the reason I'm feeling the burn. Uh, he had a long interview with podcaster Joe Rogan, and uh, it was it was it was a, a setting in which Bernie was allowed, uh, Rogan allowed him uh, to speak his mind. So Bernie was uh, laying out all his his philosophical views, yeah. his intentions as president. And it was interesting the strategy that Bernie says he'll employ even if Moscow Mitch is still running the Senate. Yeah. The strategy employ, he w- he says will employ a sort of a democratic version of what Trump would do. Um, in other words, it's a democratic Donald Trump goes to swing states or to red states and um, proclaims you know, he's the emperor of the United States and whips up his supporters. Uh, and, and that's his strategy. Bernie Sanders says that uh, if elected, he would go to states like Kentucky. Yeah. And he would uh, rally Kentuckians against Mitch McConnell. Like if he says, if I am elected president and I'm forced to deal with a Republican led Senate with Mitch McConnell uh, running the, uh, the Senate, what I'll do is I'll take a right to his doorstep. I will go to Kentucky, so it's a democratic version of what Trump does. Trump hey, takes the problem
3: is Kentucky ahead. is a Republican state by far, so that would be sort of like going to me going to the KKK and and um, <laughs> pitching them NAACP policies.
1: <laughs> well, I, like, I, don't, I hope it's not that extreme. <laughs> All right. I Almost. Oh, my God. You
3: just shot down any <laughs> right. hope I had. Right. No. You, you don't
1: know. believe Bernie has any chance whatsoever of getting people in Kentucky or states like Kentucky? Well, to put
3: some b- people, but not enough. Yeah. I mean, you know, this, this is America, so there's all kinds. There's... Good, 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 good people on both sides, and the Republicans and the Democrats. Well,
1: I I, do, I will note I read an article. It was an article in a paper about uh, coal miners in Kentucky, yeah. uh, who are taking a stand against the coal mining company that shut down and left them without jobs and and uh, really uh, left them in a precarious situation. Uh, and it's these coal mining companies are supported by Republicans, but instead of targeting the Republican Party, right? The coal miners are non political. Now I'm like, why are you non-political it's, it's, when it comes to backing off on what Republicans are doing to you? It's racial.
3: Yeah, with the farmers, it's the same thing. Uh, they are losing their shirts. Some of them are are losing their farms because of of, of Trump's um, tariffs. Mm-hmm. They, they are. They're losing their markets. They're losing, but they're still sticking with them. And the only reason for that is because. He says the things they want to hear about um, all these immigrants and other people of color. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, uh, I am going to try to remain optimistic uh, and hope that uh, the Democratic message will get out that it, it, uh the message of hate that Donald Trump is preaching. I, I feel na- naive even saying this, Monroe. Right. OK, I feel naive even saying this, but the. Uh, the, uh, Donald Trump's efforts to divide um, black people, right? Uh, Jews,
3: yes. Hispanics, Mo- Muslims,
1: Muslims. Yeah. Uh, I, I and I, women and women, yeah. and women. Almost <laughs> <laughs> okay. fifty percent of the
3: fifty-one percent of the vote. 50, yeah. Unbelievable.
1: I, yeah. Right. That any woman uh, in this country would vote for Donald right. Trump at this stage.
3: Well, if they, the, his numbers have changed dramatically now. It's I, I think they're. Um, he only has the support of of 20% of college-educated white women. 20%? Yes,
1: yes. Wow. Right. Well, there's a little hope in that. All right, Right. that's Monroe Anderson. I'm Ben Jarowski. Our next guest, uh, uh, Candace is in the studio. Candace Castillo is in the studio. Ready? She's ready to go. We're going to continue this political talk when we return. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true.
0: LandCremationOptions.com. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Culture attention Chicago innovators and creators 2019 Chicago Ideas Week is coming soon. October 12th through the 17th, this annual Ideas Festival is back and it's the largest, most affordable Ideas Festival of its kind. They bring in hundreds of thought leaders from around the globe and some local to share ideas and spark action all across Chicago. To get a better idea of what to expect, here's a bit of audio from last year's Chicago Ideas Week with special guest and Chicago comedian Hannibal Burris. The
4: real reason I came home is just because I was trying Traveling a lot anyway. I wasn't in New York that much and I don't have a full time job in New York. I work a lot, but I'm not in New York. So it was just like I don't I don't need to be here. Anymore, and, I, and also I just wanted to work on different stuff here in Chicago. So I have this center that I'm working on on the west side, Melvina Mastermind. It's going to be arts and and then a tech program and after school programming for uh, kids in, a, in the North Austin area. So just wanted to be back. There we go.
0: October 12th through the 17th, it's 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. Tickets go on sale to members on August 22nd and to general public September 10th. Once again, if you're an innovator or creator in the city of Chicago or even outside the city. You must join us for Chicago Ideas Week, October 12th through the 17th. For tickets and event information, head to ChicagoIdeas.com. That's ChicagoIdeas.com, and we hope to see you October 12th through the 17th with your Okay, everybody, hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, August 21st. is just moments away, but before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions once again for jumping on board and helping bring back our program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 in District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. A giant thank you to those unions once again for jumping on board and bringing back our program. And, of course, today's Ben Jorofsky show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor, hour number two. Let's go! It is Wednesday, August 21st. And live from the Chicago Suntime, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarovsky Show. In this hour of the program, we still got Monroe Anderson in studio. We've welcome back political strategist Candace Castillo, and it's the return of host of the Doris Davenport show, Doris Davenport. And yes, Doris will be bringing her awesome dog. And now your host, Chicago Reader
1: columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yes, indeed. Monroe Anderson still in the studio. Doris Davenport's about to enter the studio. And Candace Castillo is here as well. It's been a little while since Candace has been on our our show. And people go, when's Candace? It's not that easy to book her. She's a very busy person. Kind of busy.
4: Yeah. Kind of busy. Plus, you know. I had a couple of vacations in there.
1: Oh, you yeah, had me too. I had a couple of vacations. Yeah. This is why I have one vacation, I should say. But I'm back and I'm rested. Uh, you walked in on our conversation. I was talking to Monroe about Mitch McConnell. And you said you want to add something to it. I have no idea what you're going to add, but add away.
4: I disagree with Monroe.
1: Whoa, there we go. <laughs> that wouldn't be the first time someone disagreed with Monroe.
4: I mean. But, but
1: they would be wrong.
4: I, okay. I, right here. I, I think Kentucky <laughs> is deep dark red. Yes. However, I think you have enough voters in Kentucky who are affected by Trump's policies that racism and xenophobia and homophobia may not be enough because they're also looking at their bottom lines. I say we gotta treat Kentucky like we treat everywhere else, and we just have to knock and stomp doors. And if it does anything, let's suppress that vote. It, it takes a lot, because of course, Christian conservative states, abortion, uh, gay rights, all, all of that, that's where they're gonna throw you, right?
3: Right, and, and the, those southern states, people went to schools, got educated, on the war of aggression Mm -hmm. from the North.
1: As opposed to the the Civil War? Yes, (laughs) exactly.
3: I mean, and they believe that to their bones. They do, you know, so... So no, there there are there no there are good people in Kentucky, but what I what I maintain is there aren't enough. Enough. Yeah.
1: Well, here here's I don't know if you you came in at the start at the outset of what that conversation we were having, and I was saying that I would listen to an interview that Bernie Sanders gave with Joe Rogan on his podcast, and uh, Bernie was saying that uh, if he were elected president, uh, and he had a deal with Mitch McConnell he would take his campaign to Kentucky on a regular basis to put pressure on Mitch McConnell, in Mitch McConnell's home state, to back off on certain issues that would benefit uh, all Americans, or most Americans, regardless of race or wherever they live. And uh, like, let's say, on a minimum wage, raising the federal minimum wage, something like that. That that was Bernie's point.
4: I can be crazy and idealistic. I don't think that we can deal with mitch mcconnell again period
3: exactly
4: period exactly. we can't deal with mitch mcconnell so like one of the vacations next year might to be knock to knock doors for the fighter pilot that's running against them. because we can't afford mitch mcconnell in the senate again
3: because right. mm-hmm. he will he will continue to block and he will continue if they have the majority uh, in the Senate, he will continue to stack the courts with um, uh, lifetime right-wing judges.
1: So you don't think that Bernie could be successful in that strategy? If if, Bert, if any Democratic president, let's say Mitch McConnell, uh, is uh, re- wins his reelection, yeah, uh, and retains that's the Republicans retain the Senate, you don't think there's any hope for a Democratic candidate uh, to get legislation through the Senate through Mitch McConnell?
4: No, I think I I think that we have to take the Senate races just as seriously as we're taking this presidential exactly. because we can lose the presidential, keep the House, win the Senate, and be in a much better position. We cannot afford to lose the Senate. Period. We need to be able to take the Senate and the White House, which is a tall order. Right, we cannot afford to lose the Senate. And guess what? If we win the Senate and keep the House, and, and Trump wins, impeachment sounds better and better every day.
3: Oh, he's going to be impeached. Um, they're going impeach, to start impeachment. They're going to start impeachment inquiries in about two weeks or three weeks, whenever they get back to the House it will it will begin in fact it's a it's not official but it's already right. going on right they've already said yeah they've that already the investigations. started doing it but 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 they they're, they're going to do him um, uh, while you were on vacation. The, major, the majority... <laughs> Everything of, happened when I was exactly, on vacation. Exactly, right. Exactly. So it's like the Richard Pryor joke where um, his father told him to be home at 11.30 yeah. and he would see his buddies and they'd say, well, what's going on? I said, oh, we're going to be at your bitch after 11.30. <laughs> okay, so, that's so, Monroe like,
1: Anderson. That's
0: Monroe <laughs> Anderson. Yeah, that's Monroe Anderson. That's not me, all right? The views and actions so, of Monroe Anderson do not reflect those of the Ben right. Yes, they don't.
3: Exactly, no.
0: So Generation, yeah,
3: right. <laughs> so, when you were on vacation, <laughs> yes, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, a majority of the Democrats in the House mm-hmm. have, have um, gone to the the um, notion of impeachment.
4: I think right oh, now the number is 153. Yeah, wow. um, while well, I was on vacation, fortunately, unfortunately, um. In Belize, you get all of the news, and I was able to watch the debates and everything else. Uh, There's CNN and MSNBC in Belize.
1: Yeah, well, I was in Michigan. I could have watched anything, but I just wanted a break from it all. But I did note, uh, I don't know where I saw this, speaking of Democrats who have now come out for impeachment or an inquiry investigation. Uh, Lauren Underwood, the recently elected yes, congresswoman, yesterday. Uh, was it yesterday the day yes, before? I yep, saw the yeah. article. Uh, she came out for impeachment, correct? Right, impeachment right, proceedings right. beginning. And she had been, uh, you know, one of those swing districts. she right. Just won it, uh, right. and uh, Democrats. She was one of those type of uh, Democrats that Pelosi was concerned about because they're in, not in a uh, safe Democratic right. districts. Right. Uh, and she came out from Beachwood, right. which I thought was pretty significant. Yeah. Right. Uh, and immediately she was counterattacked. I saw this is what alerted me to it because I got the email. For some reason, they always send me these emails, Candace, <laughs> counterattacking or blistering. So, in your opinion, you're a political strategist. You've run campaigns in many camp in many wards and areas, uh, city of Chicago, and swing districts, etc. Do you think that's a safe political position for Lauren Underwood to take?
4: It's not safe. It's right. Um, it's not. She needed to come out for it. Um, she's in what the Naperville area, right? Which is a swing district, which economically and socially it's changing rapidly. Um, and Trump's behavior has economically affected the people of that area. Yes, they are of a certain tax bracket today, and that's it. It's financial, right? But. Trump is not a financial conservative, which allows her to have some wiggle room. The deficit is up. Ta- Trump's,
3: Trump's um, tax break mm-hmm. reform, um, what, he, what he did was um, to get at the, the states that um, don't support him. Mm-hmm. He cut the, the taxes where if you, if, if you paid more than $10,000 a year on yeah. your house, you couldn't write it off
1: he limited the deduction you could take on exactly uh, and
3: there's naperville i'm sure they got hit hard by that yeah the people in naperville
1: uh so uh all right so i know it's the right position to take uh, in terms of impeachment but the the safe and cautious uh, position to take as well uh and uh one of the things I wanted to ask Monroe about, and I'm really curious to hear your position, I heard a little bit about it when uh, we were on break, is the fact that Mayor Pete came to town, speaking of Democratic candidates for president. Mayor Pete came to town, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, made a visit uh, to the south side of Chicago and Bronzeville, the Harold Washington Cultural Center on 47th and King Drive. And uh, he made his pitch for black voters by calling for a, what he calls a Douglas plan, uh, named after Frederick Douglass, Frederick using Frederick Douglass's name, yeah,
3: yeah. Who, who's uh, doing quite well after Trump got elected. Yep, I tell <laughs> you, Frederick Douglass is yeah. He's almost famous. Yeah, now. everybody loves Frederick
1: Douglass. Everybody loves Frederick Douglass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I
4: saw him chilling downtown the other day, right? Right, <laughs> exactly. We had lunch last week.
1: <laughs> so, uh, were you? Are you feeling uh, Mayor Pete these no. days? No, <laughs> okay. Even uh, though he came to Bronzeville. No, <laughs> y-
4: yes, Mayor Pete came to the. Ep- <laughs> (laughs) epicenter of black gentrification in Chicago. Let's, let's be real. Alderman Jeanette Taylor talks about how she was born and raised in that area. The Harold Washington Cultural Center came and her rent and taxes went sky high. So yeah, he came to the epicenter of displacement of black people in Chicago. Wow. Thanks. Who did he talk to before he came? I have a feeling I know, but Mayor Pete is a non-factor. Period. He some people may look at him as a vice presidential contender. He cannot get the black vote, and a lot of people I've heard people say, "Oh, you know, because black people and gay people, the LGBTQA plus community just don't get along." No, it's not that. It's black. Is his record? In South Bend, please talk to Henry Davis or Stacey Davis Gates about this, has been deplorable. He has been deplorable on black people. And he needs to go somewhere and have several seats.
3: Hey, say that again? He,
1: need- he needs
4: to go somewhere and has, have several seats.
3: Not a seat.
1: Yeah. Several. Uh, yeah, several. <laughs> uh, so, Monroe, were you f- were you feeling it for Mayor Pete yesterday when he showed up in Bronzeville?
3: He has good rhetoric. But the problem is, his record doesn't back it yeah. up. But he's, I, I, but I think he's very smooth at the way he's doing this, and he's trying, he's trying to make this move. But this, twenty years ago, I was on the board of the National Association of Black Journalists, mm-hmm. and um, we had this thing called Unity with the other minority journalists: it was mm-hmm. the Hispanics and the Asians, Native Americans, the uh, gay. Um, journalists have, have, have an organization and they were trying to become part of the unity. And it was widely opposed because the, 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 the theory was that there were many, many gay white men in the newsrooms in positions of authority that never ever did anything for any of the minority journalists. Meaning mean the black journalists? The black journalists, yeah. and, and the Hispanics, and the Asians. I mean, it. Uh, to, uh the Asians to a lesser degree perhaps mm-hmm. they did more for but the thing is there's no natural uh, 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 affinity mm-hmm. going on there.
1: Do you buy that Candace?
4: I don't. Feel I free mean, to disagree with Monroe. Yeah. I mean I yeah. think <laughs> So if we go back to the history of Bronzeville, Bronzeville was the place that accepted um, queer, black, and white no, people. I'm talking no, about uh, white gays now. Not Queer, not, black, and yeah, white people all yeah. the way in the 20s. There were clubs in Bronzeville that, well, it wasn't Bronzeville at the time, but all the way in the 1920s, they had full balls. So, I, yes, I do agree that... There has been a lot of gay white men um, uh, log cabin Republican white men who have denigrated the black brown communities, women and everything else but I would not say that there's no natural affinity there I mean you it's a long legacy and you were talking about Richard Pryor earlier, Richard Pryor got in trouble in San Francisco because he asked the white male gay community where were you during the Watts riots however I would not say that is not a natural affinity there. I will say that it has become politically uncomfortable because, excuse the expression, being, but white men been white menin." Like they do, <laughs> right? Well, that's that's my point. Wait <laughs> <up>. yeah, <laughs> right?
1: Exactly. Uh, white men be white menin. Right. Um, I gotta get that on a t-shirt. Uh.
4: <laughs> but it's true. The, yeah. So your sexual preference does not take away your privilege. It doesn't, and even though I get your argument of they haven't been doing anything in the newsroom for black or brown people or women, that has been true through history, but it's also been true that black people in America have been some of the most accepting people when it came to people that were thrown away, especially white folks, uh, by their families.
1: Go into that a little more. Go into that a little bit. Explain that a little more.
4: So the white woman with the baby out of wedlock or with a black man was usually taken care of by some black woman in a black neighborhood. The young white guy that found himself in to be an addict was usually taken home by some black women in the black neighborhood. Yeah.
3: But yeah, but that has, yeah, that has a lot to do with just our being some of the most forgiving people in this country. If you remember the, the, um, the nine, uh, church members killed by, um, Dylan roof. R- Dylan yeah. roof. Yeah. They forgave him. Right. They, 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 they just said, okay. You know, we forgive you. You're you crazy and you screwed up and everything, but we forgive you. Um, a lot of places, a lot of ethnic groups in this country, that would not have happened. I they agree. Be,
4: I agree. And it goes, <laughs> we're about to go all off subject. So yeah. it goes into a book that I've been reading called um, They Were Her Property. Um, and it talks about how generations of white women Back in the slave holding days, it's always been assumed that they were like, oh, no, I'm not the property owner. I don't. But it goes into the stories of cruelty that white women slave owners had toward their slaves and how they were raised to be that way. But at the same time, they were being raised to be that way. Those black women were raised to be forgiving and understanding. And yes, my slave owner who is seven years old snapped at me, but I have to make sure that I tie her shoe and feed her and comb her hair. And I love her even though she snapped at me. So we have institutionally been raised, black women especially, to be also forgiving.
3: Oh, yeah. No, I was in South Africa uh, a dozen years ago. Mm -hmm. And the thing that um, I was told by an African journalist is that in South Africa, the black Africans were taught to be docile. The whole education uh, of, of them in the public schools or what have you was to be docile, to be respectful of white people, et cetera. So if you're raised that way then um, more than likely you're going to be that way.
1: Mm. Well, all right, let's uh, shift uh, <laughs> the subject a bit a little locally. Uh, and uh, Candace, I have to ask you uh, to, uh, your thoughts on Lori Lightfoot. Uh, which, how, how long has she been in office now? Four months has it been? I'm losing almost track 100
4: days next uh, almost week. Almost
1: 100 days, yes. That's uh, the 100 days. <laughs> the first 100 days always a uh, uh, a big moment at this early stages of any mayor's uh, stint in office. And uh, there was a column today, Sun Times. I don't know if you had a chance to read it by Mark Brown. Homeless advocates deeply disappointed by Lightfoot's shift uh, to business as usual politics. I talked about this earlier in the show. Uh, quote unquote, progressives in the city of Chicago were not exactly the biggest fans uh, of Lori Lightfoot and during the uh, April campaign. Uh, most progressives probably voted for Tony Preikwinkle, uh, which just goes to show you. Maybe Chicago is not as progressive as I thought it was <laughs> uh, since Tony Prickell got uh, swamped uh, in the election. What's your general attitude uh, toward those first 100 days of Lori Lightfoot?
4: She hasn't done anything that she said she was going to do. So elect the school board. Nah, she was part of blocking it. Um, The teacher's contract, nope. She's not putting anything in writing, but I promise you, you're going to get all these new counselors. Um, We're also looking at the Park District employees going on strike, ladies and gentlemen. People forget that. Um, Also, with the homeless shelters, even she's with the homelessness and Bring Home Chicago, even slow walking things around immigration in Chicago. Lori is who... We said she was, she showed us who we were. Even if you look at the survey that her office put out around the budget, have you had a chance to look at the survey, Ben? No. Not. Have you, Monroe? Right. You want to know what's not on the survey? The LaSalle street tax Mm-mm. or the corporate head tax. You want to know what is it is? Raising the bag tax. She is who we thought she was. Period. She is not for working people, the working poor, the poor in the city of Chicago. And it's evident by the wrong people that she's kept around. So her first hundred days says, "All right, you are who we thought you were."
1: And and so, what's the natural reaction that uh, you think progressives will have toward her as we head into this budget season?
4: The natural reaction that progressives should have toward her is the same natural reaction that we should have we had toward Rom. You prove this, so we will be at your door. We will be in the streets. We will be already starting to get candidates to run for other seat, aldermanic seats and mayoral seats. You cannot, you were elected with a mandate. Lori was elected with a mandate to do exactly what she's not doing.
1: Well, I've got to think about what you just said. She was elected with a mandate. I'm not, she was elected with a mandate. I'm not certain what that mandate was because most of the progressive people, most of the progressive groups in the city who are upset with her now did not support her. So, she might argue that I don't have a mandate. I don't owe you anything. You didn't support me. And uh, so, therefore, your mandate is not my mandate.
4: Sure. But she also was elected with the idea that elected school board was going to happen. Um, bring home Chicago is going to happen. Um, she was voted in with the idea that we probably wouldn't have a teacher strike. Mm -hmm. we still have we're still looking at a potential teacher strike we're looking at a strike of the park district and the teachers at the same time which is crazy because usually during the teacher strike they send the kids to the park district this is problematic. Yeah, it's
1: crazy.
3: Okay, that's crazy. Let, let me let me point out something. All right, here we go. Okay. here
1: comes some Lori Lightfoot Kool Aid. Hold yeah, on. Yeah, right.
3: Exactly. No, no, no. Mm. No, it no. Tastes no, no. delicious. And, and, and uh, Kool Aid is not a good metaphor mm. <laughs> because they they took Flavor Aid. Okay. In Joe's town, not Kool Aid. Kool Aid got hope a bad name. Not that name. strong. Right, right. Go on. But anyway, um, the voter turnout. Was a record low. Yeah, Absolutely. So, th- so it was indifference. You know, I mean, it, it, that's 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 the real villain here. The real problem is, is total indifference.
1: Well, I, I'm going to go one step further, I'm, Candace, I've never trotted this theory out to you before. Oh uh, Yeah. So this is coming fresh off my head. Look out where this is going. But think thinking. Of, this is what I thought about when I was on vacation. Now, Donald Trump uh, likes to say that. Uh, like cities are hellholes, and the people who live there should just abandon the Democratic Party because the Democrats have done nothing for them. That's one of his favorite themes. Yeah. And he never lends a hand, of course, to help the cities. He's the most powerful man in America. Right. He could do a lot to help the right. cities. But I've been thinking about him and I'm just thinking Chicago, the city I know the best. Our Democratic mayors have run Chicago as though they were Republicans. And by that I mean they don't aggressively raise right. the taxes on the wealthiest people, they don't tax the wealth that we have in the city of Chicago, like the LaSalle Tax is a perfect example, and then use that money to help people, the poorest of the poor. Instead, so much of the programs intended to help the poorest of the poor, Candace, you know where I'm going with this, have helped the richest of the rich. So I think that feeds the very apathy Uh, An alienation that we saw evidenced by the turnout in the uh, election of 2000 and uh, what was it, 19, just last April. And I I just feel as though to a certain degree, and this will hurt Democrats when they try to rally against Trump, that they're their own worst enemies because they don't do enough. For their base, do you follow what I'm saying, Kim?
4: I mean, but what's Lori's <coughs> base? Uh, to be the, yeah, but to ahead. be honest, what's Lori's base? Lori met with uh, Ivanka Trump before she met with New Alderman. So, what's Lori's base? Where where's Lori's base or was Lori just not in the political realm enough that it made like Tony look like an insider. Right. Which I mean, let's let's be clear. Tony is one of the ultimate insiders. Yes, let's, and for progressives to go for Tony, it was all hold my nose and cast a ballot. Nobody thought it would be Tony and Lori. Nobody thought it would be Tony and Lori. So a lot of voters was like, "Mm, I don't like the sugar tax, so I'm going to go out here and vote for Lori. A lot of people did that. Mm -hmm. And this is what we got.
3: Well, yeah. Part of the problem is that since Daley became mayor, to this day, there has been this movement to turn Chicago into Paris. And by that, What 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 I mean is in Paris. If you ever go to Paris, the the middle class Mm -hmm. and the rich people live in the city, and the poor people live in the 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 ringing um, suburbs around. Mm -hmm. And that's that that's what's Rom was really doing. That like on on the fast track, you know, along the Chicago River. Yeah, He's just, you know, just skip all this, this red tape. These people want to build these buildings for very rich people. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Let's yeah. get it done. And so there's never been any interest. They don't want the poor. They don't want poor blacks, poor whites, poor anybody in the city. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
4: absolutely. I mean, absolutely. That's exactly what they're doing. So people talk about how, um, Latino people are moving into traditionally black neighborhoods. They're moving into traditionally black neighborhoods because they were pushed out of traditional Latino neighborhoods like Humble Park and Pilsen. Mm-hmm. So they're moving into Inglewood and Woodlawn because that's where they see housing opportunities at. And guess what? People are now being pushed out of Woodlawn. We had a house to sell the other day in Woodlawn to go up to be listed for $700,000. Mm. Think about that, Woodlawn. Woodlawn that used to have one of the worst blocks in America on it, 630 King Drive. And now blocks away from that you have a $700,000 house because of the idea of the coming Obama Center.
1: Yeah! Wow, the the gentrification that's going seven hundred grand, yeah.
4: seven hundred grand in Woodlawn, in Woodlawn, and and it's not like it hasn't happened to Bronzeville already. So, if we really want to talk about the rich getting richer, the poor getting poorer, and black people, especially especially being pushed out of the city, that's exactly what ha- what's happening. If we don't take a hard look at our elected officials mm-hmm. and what they put forward and push, we will be in a world of hurt in five years. Right, let me ask 10. you this. Uh,
1: at the outset of our conversation, I was advocating Bernie's strategy, uh, if necessary, to go to Kentucky and rally people in Kentucky against Mitch McConnell with the idea being that there are certain uh, issues that bind even Trump voters to Democrats, okay? Uh, Both of you sort of dismiss that as uh, too naive or idealistic, won't happen. All right, let's move this struggle to Chicago. Do you think a similar thing would work in the city of Chicago where progressives who are uh, upset with Tony's, let's say, her abandonment of uh, a tax on the wealthiest, uh, sell the wealthiest homes, billion million dollar homes, and use that money to promote uh, affordable housing, which she seems to be walking away from. Uh, do you think that if progressives fought hard in the city of Chicago, they would find supporters of that in the city, or do you think that people would be turned off by that attitude?
4: I think they would find supporters of that. That's how Rosanna, older uh, woman Rosanna Rodriguez, beat dead Mill. I mean, yes, it was by just a few votes and every vote counts, but that's how that happened. It happened because you had the 33rd Working Families Party that went door to door, that never slacked off, that pushed and fought. So, yeah, and but you they need did
3: a, you need a messenger, you know. You need a if, messenger. If, if, if Harold Washington was alive or if there is a, a, a Harold Washington out there. They could, he, he or she could bring the message and it would work. Bernie yeah. couldn't do it. Um, I can't, right now I can't think of anybody who. Which are
1: local. Who, I have been hearing local. people say, people millennials make fun of me. Because I always talk about a Harold Washington. Harold Washington. Yeah. And they always say, Ben, Harold Washington's not walking through the door anytime Exactly.
3: So. No, Harold's dead. I said, yeah. I said a Harold Washington, oh, okay. not yeah. the Harold Washington. So, but, but we need an inspirational, you need somebody who's inspirational and who can fire people up.
4: So I would agree. Agree with that to a certain extent, but I don't think it's just a Harold Washington. You also need a John H. Johnson who is willing to help bankroll. Who is open-minded and progressive in himself enough to help bankroll a Harold
1: Washington? You're talking to a guy who works. I for worked Josh for Josh
3: and Johnson. shots.
4: <laughs> that,
3: that's not the guy.
4: But <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he, helped huh? he helped bankroll a lot of stuff. He helped bankroll a lot of stuff when uh, it came to that election, and we don't have black business in the city that is willing to bankroll that type of that type of political fight.
3: Oh, he yeah no, he did it on the QT. He did.
4: He did. Know, now, he he,
3: he didn't stand up.
4: And, oh, and, no,
1: yeah, no, right, he did no, he didn't. And, yeah, right.
3: did, but, yeah, right. did he pay for all his employees,
1: Monroe? No. My
4: mom actually worked for Raven and Duke in their sales department, and no. Okay. Right, but, right, right.
0: You guys see eye to eye <laughs> that one, then. No. But he
4: did, but even if it was behind the scenes, yeah. we don't even have that willingness from a lot of. Black and brown financial people in the city. We don't have that willingness and chance. The rapper just don't have it enough. And his yeah, he just doesn't have. What do you
1: money. mean he doesn't have it enough? You mean he doesn't have the money or the connections.
4: He doesn't have the money yet enough to do that by himself. He just doesn't. Mm-hmm. I mean,
3: yeah.
1: Well, it. The, I mean, it's very curious uh, how this is going because. Uh, the the fight over you, you mentioned the Harold Washington uh, Center, Obviously oh, the the Barack Obama Center, uh, and um, the impact that's having on real estate prices uh, on the South Side of Chicago in Woodland, etc. And there was. I was against putting it on the South Side. I I throw that out there, I say that all the time, you're rolling uh, your eyes. And of course nobody listens to me. Uh, And they put it on the South Side and it was widely considered what people on the South Side wanted.
4: Make no mistake, right? We want the Obama Center. We just don't want the displacement that's going to come along with it. Mm-hmm. We don't want the higher taxes that's going to come along with it. We want the jobs. We want the training. We want the investment that they want to put in the schools and the libraries, absolutely. We just don't want to be displaced. And I think I, whenever we get new development, um, black and brown people are the first people to be displaced. I'll, President Barack Hussein Obama deserves a library that is amazing for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. And I am not the biggest Barack Obama fan. I so. know
1: that.
3: <laughs> yeah.
4: He deserves an amazing library. Yeah. He really does. He deserves an amazing center. However, he also deserves for the people that he used to fight for to still be in their homes.
1: Well, uh, it's been a long time since he was fighting for those people. Very right? true. I think very, you have very, to go very, very back true. to the '80s. <laughs> okay, I was one. All right, uh, yes, yeah. so you were one of the people that he was fighting. No, for.
4: No, I was one years old.
1: Okay, yeah, you were about one year old <laughs> right. Barack was fighting for those people. Adora Stafford for nodding right. her head. So it's been a while, right. uh, you know. Uh, but I appreciate that fight that he made in the 1985 before he went to law school, uh, and uh, the the fight on the local level. I guess we'll have to leave it here, from the get-go with the uh, Obama Center is that there has to be some sort of legislation passed with it that protects the sort of the economic interests of people who live in the neighborhood right now and the Obamas have been unwilling from the get-go to sign on to that kind of legislation and they've not lobbied for it with the city of Chicago, they've not pushed it with the city of Chicago, they've
3: not used it. They're they're, uh, Washingtonians now, they're not Chicagoans.
4: Well, and so from the foundation perspective, not from Barack and Michelle, But from the foundation perspective, they always felt like it needed to be with the city that the uh, community benefits agreement needed to be with the city and not with the foundation. And now um, Alderman Taylor and Alderman Harrison, they put legislation forward that is with the city and not the foundation. So the foundation has said previously that, yeah, we're with it if it comes from the city Well, this side. is
1: significant. Are they going to sign on? Is the foundation going to endorse this legislation?
4: That's yet to be seen.
1: Okay. <laughs> All right, well, we'll be watching that one closely, Candace Castillo. And, and uh,
3: I say, keep Cornell open.
1: Yeah, oh, that's a whole other issue. <laughs>
3: keep, it, it, she, she,
1: she doesn't want to hear that. Candace Castillo, uh, my guest in the studio, Monroe Anderson, my guest. we got Doris Davenport. We're going to bring her on. Thank you very much, both of you, for showing up. I appreciate it. The honest discussion. They're not afraid to disagree every now and then. Uh, Candace smiling at Monroe saying, "Yeah, I'll take you down next time, too. All right, Candace Castillo, Monroe Anderson. <laughs> no, Dor- I'm a Yeah, he's a gentleman. Very good. Thank you very much. Got Doris Davenport on. We'll bring her on when we return. Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man. As he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to JeffManuelPianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you people J E F F M as in Mary, A N as in Nancy. U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel.
0: Today's Ben Jaromsky show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Get to know your city on one of Chicago Architecture Center's 65 walking tours. Hear the unforgettable secrets and stories behind Chicago architecture from our expert docents. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a tour right now. Oh, wow, look at that building. Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash il resident. Attention Chicago innovators and creators, 2019 Chicago Ideas Week is coming soon. October 12th through the 17th, this annual Ideas Festival is back, and it's the largest, most affordable Ideas Festival of its kind. They bring in hundreds of thought leaders from around the globe and some local to share ideas and spark action all across Chicago. To get a better idea of what to expect, here's a bit of audio from last year's Chicago Ideas Week with special guest and Chicago comedian Cameron Esposito.
2: Everything that I have ever tried to do has had two motivations. One is I really do believe in trying to create social change and then the other one is I'm scared and alone too so I would like for you to join me. You know every job that I have I try to make sure to hold the door open. That's like my uh, motto for for um, like if I get through you're coming with me and I really I believe in that wholeheartedly and uh, especially if I have more privilege than you like I'm holding the door open for you um, even wider.
0: October 12th through the 17th it's 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. Tickets go on sale to members on August 22nd and to general public September 10th. Once again, if you're an innovator or creator in the city of Chicago or even outside the city, you must join us for Chicago Ideas Week, October 12th through the 17th. For tickets and event information, head to ChicagoIdeas.com. That's ChicagoIdeas.com. And we hope to see you October 12th through the 17th for 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. Hey, welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed, we are
1: live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Monroe Anderson has left the studio, but Doris Davenport is here. Candace Castillo said, Doris Davenport's not here? I'm going to stick around because I want to talk with Doris Davenport. Uh, They share, uh, they have something in common, D. They uh, are both on a certain radio station Uh where I used to work. Yeah, how about that? I I used to work there, too. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm a forgiving guy. You know, talk about forgiving. Okay, you were talking about how uh, black women are the most forgiving people in the world. How about me? All right, I (laughs) I forgave. these people from that old radio station on. I'm always forgiving. Mm-hmm. I just can't remember, I forget. I can't remember the name of that station, but I know Doris will help me out was, with that one. I was gonna say, uh, yeah,
5: yeah, I what, what was it again?
1: WCPT. Oh yeah, that one, yeah. Every
4: Saturday morning, 10 to 11. <laughs> and every Saturday morning from nine to 10, you can listen to the Brandy Johnson show. Sunday that, Sunday. that would be, be Sunday morning, up. yes. Yeah, Sunday so morning. Saturday and Sunday morning, yes. you should be listening. To
1: I, us. I've always said I love <laughs> the weekend uh, lineup at WCP. Doris knows that I used to promote that. That's right. The heck that's right. That's back right. in the day. <laughs> do they still promote the weekend uh, lineup? Uh, uh, some do,
5: some, some don't. don't but some I don't. do think they're trying to do a better job of it. Oh yeah. They yeah. forgot. they think that
1: the like the the world ends on Friday afternoon. Oh, yeah, know, it's like, line, hey, wait
5: a minute. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> what you got for me, Dave Ben Rossi, the only radio host that
0: promoted weekend shows ever. All right, uh, we have a uh, something we want to tell everybody about on Friday, this Friday, August 23rd, from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m., the Chicago Reader, well, they're having themselves a little telethon, all right? It's live on Facebook and chicagoreader.com. Uh, just- Find the Chicago Reader on Facebook, Chicago Reader. That's all you got to do. Look for it, friend them, and then you can watch this telethon. It's a live telethon online to launch the Reader's new monthly donors campaign. The Chicago Reader is once again editorially independent and locally owned. Our coverage is focused on politics and culture, and we cannot do this work without the support of our readers. We need you, all right? As we move toward our 50th anniversary, every dollar that you give helps fund the experienced, diverse journalists and editors producing the Reader online daily. There's going to be special guests on this uh, telethon, and the Ben Show will be broadcasting live from the Chicago Reader Friday, this Friday, August 23rd. What is that? (laughs) Hello? This Friday, August 23rd, the Ben Show will be broadcasting live. We're going to have all kinds of Writer, Journalist dorks. It's going to be a fantastic (laughs) time. Ben will be there at 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. Look for us on Facebook. Look for us on the Chicago Reader uh, website, chicagoreader.com. We hope you'll join us. It's going to be a fantastic time this Friday. Yeah, we're gonna take the
1: show on the road, and D will be up. You'll be working ma- uh, major overtime because you'll be going, the whole show. You'll be producing. Correct? Yes, I will from seven to seven, seven to seven. Make oh, sure you wow. get your sleep. I'll be there. Yeah, I'll be there. I'm and making that
0: money, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Loving it, whatever.
1: Making that money, right, baby. Baby, yes, indeed, uh, Doctor D. will be making the money. Uh, the Pride and Joy Boys.
0: It's ball gonna be Illinois. a fantastic time, isn't that right, Robert Mueller? That's correct. No, yeah, yeah, right.
1: thank you. Very good. Yeah, if Robert Mueller says so, I, uh, it must be true. All right, Doris Davenport. Uh, it's been a while since I saw you. I was on vacation. uh, I haven't seen you in at least a month, so um, it's good to see you.
5: Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure to be here, and I just love the technology upgrade that you guys are doing over here.
1: Yes, and you were pointing out that our new camera, which was, we're the beneficiaries of an anonymous donor, anonymous Uh because he, I'm giving the pronoun out, uh, does not want his name known, okay? okay? So he will remain anonymous, but... God bless this guy. I gave us this really cool camera.
5: Yeah, well, I have to take some notes because I could use a couple of anonymous donors myself. <laughs> <laughs>
3: They're
1: nice to have. But you have a, you have that camera for your show, I do. Right? That's the
5: camera that I use. And, and
1: you, do you, Are you the one who runs it or do you have somebody running it for it you? It
5: depends on which show it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually I run it myself. I have run it myself for the past year. I have a couple of interns wow. that work with me now. So it just depends. But wow. it is a little, you know, you've got to get be flexible. When the interns aren't there, I have to go back to...
0: Oh, I was just saying. for those who download the show, go check out the live stream. See our new camera. It's Amiibo camera. It's That's fantastic. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Miles is
1: doing a great job, I presume. Uh, he's wheeling and dealing. yeah, the He's doing a good job. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, anyway, Doris Davenport uh, is in the studio. And I guess Doris will start with... Um Oh, we've been talking a lot of national news uh, lately. So uh, let's just uh, pick up the asking everybody for their thoughts about Mayor Pete uh, coming to Bronzeville yesterday. And ah. I I sent you that text this morning saying I would love to hear what your thoughts We've already heard Candace on the subject, Monroe on the subject, uh, and I uh, had a little fun with it myself in the introduction. Mayor Pete comes to Bronzeville, which is a black neighborhood on the south side of Chicago, was, as Candace points out, a rapidly gentrifying neighborhood uh, on the city of Chicago. and he goes uh, to the Harold Washington Cultural Center, and virtually everybody in the audience is white, which is, (laughs) uh, (laughs) she's laughing already. (laughs) So, uh, your general thoughts on this?
5: Well, you know, I recall the last time I was here, you asked me what I thought about different candidates, and Buttigieg was one of them. And I said then, which I think just proved itself to be true yesterday, is that you don't wait until you're running for president to decide that maybe you need to reach out to the largest voting bloc in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that he's got a real uphill climb. I don't think he's polled any higher than one percent in any national poll when it comes to the black vote, mm-hmm. and that's both in the East Coast and, of course, the Southern primaries that are to, that are going to be. They're huge. A, huge, yeah. mm-hmm. and I don't even think he's at one percent. I don't there. think he is. Yeah, at no. 1%. I, I was he's like, at got
4: one percent of yeah, black yeah, yeah. voter somewhere. <laughs> I know. <laughs>
5: uh,
1: yes. Uh, well, let me ask you this: in general thoughts, since the yeah. last time in the show. Uh, God, I haven't done any presidential talk in a while. Uh, Anyone that you're really feeling the vibe on? That you're well, yeah.
5: But I want to just say again with Buttigieg, you know, part of the issue with him and black voters, I think, is it's kind of like he's got everything he's promising everything mm-hmm. and it's one it's one thing if you have one or two ideas that you want to present to the people but when you do and make an assessment of what people want and you literally put every single one of those items on your agenda and say this is what I'm going to do with no regard for the laws that have to be passed on the state level no regard for you know he can't just the things that he's saying he's going to do you can't just do by executive mm-hmm. order with a stroke of a pen yeah so
1: Well, the other thing is, I I must have said this to you either on the show or just in one of our many phone conversations, is that that introduction Mm -hmm. that black voters in particular have toward a white politician is so key. And the introduction... Like yes. I remember like the introduction four years ago to Bernie Sanders. So many black voters would tell me, he's from Vermont. There's no black people in Vermont. Why didn't he stay in New York? you know how many times I heard that? Yeah, okay. yeah. And and it, and Bernie struggled, let's be honest. There, yeah. It was the black vote that gave Hillary the nomination.
5: Well, yeah, I subscribed to one of the Twitter channels, for, uh, uh, Instagram channels, Vermont Living, just because I love the beautiful, serene pictures, but I have yet to see a black person in any one of those pictures. So, so
4: my best friend was in Vermont for work and she said that she looked for the black people. She was there for months. She was like, I looked for black people. I saw three, all of them in the airport.
5: Oh, god. <laughs> <that's so true. laughs>
1: I think Bernie's doing a little better this time, don't you agree, uh, Doris?
4: Um, not
5: really. Oh yeah. wow. Okay, yeah. there I goes that. Doris. Yeah. Uh, all but, right. I mean, explain was, both of you. When Bernie first came out, mm-hmm. he had novel ideas. Nobody else was talking about the things, the progressive ideas that he was talking about. But now, you know, he, all of his ideas are out there, so everybody's got a piece of that. And so he's no longer, uh, he's not distinguished himself. And I don't think he's going to be able to overcome all the issues with the lack of diversity and equity within his own campaign. So it's kind of hard to go down the national stage and talk about equity and diversity when right in your own backyard, it's just not happening. Mm, she's not feeling the burn. <laughs> and
4: yeah, I i totally agree. He has a diversity issue in his campaign. and. And one of his most public people, Simone Sanders, has left and went to the Biden campaign and said she wasn't even asked to come back to the Bernie campaign. Really? So that says a lot. And I love Nina Turner in so many ways. Mm-hmm. However, there, Bernie isn't unique anymore. So Killer Mike, the rapper, is still on his team and that's great, but he's also said some very problematic things about the NRA. So, it's how how do you capture that vote? And how do you capture that vote where there's people with so many ideas that are similar, and he's not saying anything new.
1: Who are you feeling these days, Doris?
5: Well, you know i've am al- always going to feel Biden. Um, I think Biden is for many blacks in America, a safe choice. People look at people are not really people want change, mm-hmm. but they also are really interested in making sure that the vote, continues to rock steady. Um, But you know what? I'm going for sister girl. I like Kamala Harris. um, And I think that there needs to be more voices at the table uh, that are black voices, black female voices. Uh, I am quite tired of looking around the country and looking at Every single aspect of our nation—be it the boardroom, be it advertisements, be it—it it, it doesn't really matter, mm-hmm. you know. Even even the welfare line—they want it, They want everybody to think it's us on the welfare line, but it really isn't. But um, I'm gonna—I think I'm gonna support uh, Kamala Harris. Wow. That's who I'm looking at. She is. She is the one. If I were going to say that's who I'm gonna run for, I might even consider uh, being a delegate for Kamala Harris.
1: Well, that is breaking news. You've really going out for Kamala. I mean, I was drinking some of that Kool-Aid a little while ago, uh-huh, as you recall. La- uh-huh. Last time we were on, I was feeling the vibe. But then she did so poorly in the last debate, Yeah, uh, particularly on the health care issue, which I think is just like the key issue the mm-hmm. Democrats have for them. If you just, uh, aside from we hate Donald Trump, which I think we <laughs> oh, all right. agree on, right? Uh, health care is so paramount. That's yeah. why I'm, I'm feeling Bernie these
5: days. Well, but remember, Trump even, he did so poorly on one debate, than he did, very well point. on another debate.
1: Valid point. They and, come and back Obama
5: there. too. Obama too, that's yes. right. But now you know what my ultimate has always been. I mean, I've said it every time I've been on the show. Uh, I'd like to see a Biden-Kamala ticket.
1: Yes, uh, with Biden as the vice president.
5: That's right. Okay. With <laughs> Biden supporting the president. black woman. Yeah. That's exactly right. Uh, Candace, are, you feeling, are
1: you feeling Kamala or
4: Biden? I want to. I come really, on, come on, sister really sister want to sister feel girl. Kamala. Yeah, I really want to feel Kamala. Here comes a but. But. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's a black woman with an amazing story. Mm-hmm. Not only is she a black woman, but I would love to see an HBCU grad in the White House. However. Mm-hmm. If you look at her record as state's attorney, uh, Uh, attorney general in California, it's very problematic. And yes, I share the sentiments of I am sick of looking around and seeing not just white men, but old white men at that. Mm. Um, However, if you still take some of those tactics of old white men and put them in black female form, you still get the same outcomes. And that's That's my issue. If Stacey Abrams was in the race, I would have nothing
5: to say about it. Response
1: from Doris Davenport (laughs) Well, before
5: I respond, I have a question to ask you. Sure. Who are you feeling? Just the name. Warren. Elizabeth Warren. And you don't feel that she has any baggage? I
4: feel like she has some baggage, but not the same type of baggage or same amount that Kamala has. If I had to pick a top five, because it's so many candidates, you can do the
1: top five. She's
4: definitely in my top five. First, it would be first would be first would be Warren for me. A second one, this is dream team, but it would be Julian. I like Julian Castro. Number three is Kamala.
1: And who's four and five?
4: Bernie and Biden.
1: Okay, Biden's on the top five.
4: Where's Mayor Pete in that list?
1: Just kidding. Even
4: though, I will say this, I can't stand Beto. Cannot stand him. I kind of like the strategy of just going everywhere right now. Like, what? I'm going to Mississippi. What? I'm going to this random gun show. What? I am just going everywhere and talking to everybody because, well, I saw there was a billboard for a gun show and I want to tell them how problematic it is. I actually like that.
1: Uh, I, listen, this is Beto. Put him as your vice president. I don't care who the nominee is, and send him down to Texas. That 38 he is the one who put that in my mind, Doris Davenport, at, <laughs> at the debate. Remember, he goes, There's 38 electoral votes in Texas. It's in that's play. Right, that's right. Send him down to Texas. That's right. Let him go, work on those votes. Work on those votes. Get 38. Take those thirty-eight mm-hmm. votes away. That's what the Republicans do with the Democrats, by the way. Yeah, Democrats yeah. got to be a little slick every now and then. Yeah. And uh, who's your top five doors?
5: Um, yeah, I was just kind of looking up at the names now. I think we've got ten now that are left. It's more than. Oh that. no, there's no, more it's 10. ten. That's going to make the debate. Well, no, debate there are ten. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. 10 that have made the debate stage. I think there's still
1: stays. twenty-three.
4: All together? 20, I thought it was twenty-one.
5: Was it? I was talking about on vacation I know, for keeps a week. It changing. i <laughs> right. I'm gonna I'm gonna really focus on. Um, Uh, All right. So, you know, Harris, Biden, Warren is in my top five. Um, And then, you know who I like, who you always laugh at me when I say this is, um, oh, what's my friend who, who just. Marianne Williamson. No, who, who just laid it out there and talked about how, if I had to draw a line from slavery to Jim Crow to, um. Uh, modern day slavery and he said if you want to look at how we can change um, the, the the pipeline to prison uh, look at our schools Corey because Booker. Corey. Years, no Booker um, the most nondescript white man running uh, Oh, Bennett, Bennett you, you love Bennett you love Michael Bennett, <laughs> <laughs> you, Michael Bennett. <laughs> you laugh at me every time she I say likes that Michael Bennett. because when he gets mad he goes there. I haven't seen any of the others like really go there on an issue that That's really true. matters to me. Well.
1: Wait, so you got Wait, not oh, just some Kamala, Biden, Warren, uh, and Bernie? Is you even no. Bernie? Bernie's not even in your list. So you got Bennett and who's the fifth? I haven't decided on my fifth yet. What what about Corey? Nobody has Corey anywhere on their list. You're not feeling Cory at all. <laughs>
5: well, I like Cory right, Booker, but please
1: address okay uh, uh, Candice's concerns about Kamala's position uh, as oh uh, Attorney General. Attorney General, go ahead. So
5: you know, I feel, and the reason I asked the the, the question before I wanted uh, to answer is because I think when you when it really boils down to what, who are you going to support if you if you say that you think your candidate like Elizabeth Warren has baggage, well, okay, then you can put apples to apples. Not None of them are coming to the table without baggage. Yeah. And so if you look at Kamala's record as attorney general in California, you can look at some of the things they talk about, about the, the bail and the bondsman. But remember this, it is the largest state She has the most complicated, most complex criminal justice system in the country, and she took that bull by the horns to try and change things. And in order sometimes to change things of that magnitude, you're doing things it's like when they say the wheels of justice turn slowly. She did some really great things while she was there. Now, you don't get to be uh, attorney general and get reelected in there uh, doing things if you're just going to try and change things overnight. I just don't think that's possible. Does she have baggage on the, on the um, issues of what she did as an attorney general? Some of the people that wanted to see things happen fast, they'll say yes. You know, we, we she didn't do right. She didn't do the right thing. But if you look at the long arm picture of the things that she did, I think people would have a hard time arguing about her overall um, success as attorney general.
4: I can't. Are you convinced? I, I, I'm, I'm not. For me, when it comes to Elizabeth Warren, as of now, any candidate that brings up the mortality rate of black women in childbirth, As one of the issues on the top not talking about it Mm -hmm. a year into her running but talking about it into the first six months of her running it's it's hard for me to deny that period I do 100% agree and I would add to it that Black people have to take particular paths to power that other people don't especially have to take. Mm -hmm. So I agree with that wholeheartedly. But, it's but kind of like a, more and more. <laughs> but it's kind of a
5: given. I mean, it stands out to hear yeah. a white woman talk about black female mortality and say it at the top of her ticket. If I look at Kamala Harris I'm, as a black woman, I say it's a given. Right. I mean, she's not going to talk about that as her number one thing, although I'm not disagreeing that maybe she should. But uh, but do I think that because it's not her number one thing that she wouldn't make it a priority? I absolutely don't think that.
4: I don't think that, but I think for me, a lot of things was a given with Barack Obama, and it ended up not <laughs> she being. She had to go there. Yeah, a had, given. She knew she was going. So to I, I definitely need to see it in writing. Uh,
1: yeah. Th- the thing yeah. I liked about Kamala in that first debate had to do the with the forcefulness with which she uh, counterattacked uh Joe Biden, on the school, and, segregation, and, and, and on the school thing. segregation thing. And I, I've since learned and read that it was like, she was ready for that moment. It wasn't spontaneous. Uh, it was prepared for these, these are, you know, we all know these are TV shows and they prepare yeah. for it. they little sound bites, et cetera, and so forth. And uh, so I've really retreated from my, well, I was really <laughs> crazy about Kamala. Cause I felt that she could do that. She could be a forceful champion. For all the democratic values against Trump, because ultimately that's what it's going to come down to. Mm-hmm. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. And I still like that part of her doors, but then when I saw her stumble on healthcare in mm-hmm. that second debate, and I understand you guys both said it that they everybody stumbles at certain debates, they get their footing, etc. That's what. Caused me to pull back because that's the part of bernie that i like that bernie's not retreating in any way from what he thinks are his these key core issues these values like health care for all which he's been promoting now uh, on the national stage for what five years now so that's you get what i'm saying that's what i like about. I, i
5: do and i'd love to know what you think about this candace too as a black woman or as a woman, really, because I think the difference between what you just described as Bernie's response to something like that and Kamala's uh, response to something like that was, in essence, when you're running for office on the national stage at that level, you've got to almost have a steely um, um, uh, filter when it comes to your emotions. I think Kamala allowed her emotions to get in the way when she responded. First of all, if she could have picked All the people across that stage who she would have expected an attack from, I think the least person she would have expected an attack from was... um, uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard. Mm -hmm. And when Tulsi Gabbard came on and she didn't back down and she came on strong, you even kind of saw a little... From Kamala, <laughs> I can where, see that little look on her new and, camera, and you, and you know that's what she felt because she called her a one percent or later. So I understand that emotion got in the way, and it was kind of like, "What? Who are you to to try and So I think she was dealing with a lot of things in that moment. And what I would like to see Kamala do is to really take on the approach that a lot of the men take on, which is they don't see the person; it's all about the issues, you know. Um, and just deal with the issue itself, because mm-hmm. you know, and 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 I I'm not going to just say that she stumbled because of that, because yes, she has flip flopped on her uh, health care plan. She's got one thing written one way, and as she talks about it, she she kind of skirts around what she really wants to do. Strategically, I understand why she's doing it that way, mm-hmm. and frankly, I'm not. It doesn't bother me that she's doing it because I understand it.
4: But Bernie Sanders is the most emotional guy in the room. But I'm, it's
5: about his issues, not the person.
4: No, it was about, it when he responded with, um, I know it's in the bill, I wrote the damn bill, <laughs> he was not just responding about the issue, he was responding to the person. I, I, I mean, that's just him, though. He's so dramatic. Exactly. (laughs) But that's that's the problem. We expect women, and especially women of color, to not do the head tilt and look at, look like you crazy at people. no, I like
5: that about Kamala. No, that's what I liked about her. That's That's what 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 I I liked about her. That's what I like about her. But that's not what I'm talking about. But I just. What are you talking about? I'm not talking about her way of, you know, being expressive right. and bringing that. I think she should bring that. That's her strength. And with a Donald Trump, that She's would definitely be, uh, be, be advised. Adv- I would advise her to do that.
4: And Donald Trump, who takes everything personally, yeah. including his comments about um, Greenland today,
1: Oh my goodness! I would we I didn't really get a chance to talk to that with Monroe. We because that was on my list to talk about with Monroe. <laughs> I don't know if you heard this, uh, Doris, but mm-hmm. uh, when I was on vacation, you still this stuff whenever, Donald Trump got the idea of buying Greenland uh, oh, from Denmark. I heard that, okay, right. Right. and right.
5: Denmark so, said that is absolutely
1: ridiculous. Well, what was the
5: word they used? It, it was an interesting I, word. I don't know.
1: So then Trump uh, was offended by some of the comments that the the what is the prime minister of denmark made uh frederickson
5: they canceled Uh, his trip yeah and canceled
1: (laughs) his trip had a little hissy fit and he said uh when she says nasty things she was nasty and when when she says nasty things about me quote she's not talking to me she's talking to the united states of america as though donald trump our president of the United States is somehow or other the epitome of <laughs> the United States of America. If you trash Donald Trump, then you're trashing the United States of America. I think Donald Trump's position as president of the United States is demeaning to the United States of America, if you follow Absolutely.
5: What I'm I agree, too.
1: So, I, 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 and, and this man, of all people, to say that, because all he does is trash Barack Obama.
5: Oh, yeah. I mean, he has tried to dismantle every single piece of legislation that Barack Obama uh, made while he was in office. Yeah. Barack Obama—he he trashes
4: everybody.
5: <laughs> well, I'm talking except about except for former... Frederick Douglass yeah.
4: and Abraham Lincoln. But he, thinks everybody Frederick Douglass is, is still living. Well, yeah. yeah, Monroe and I had lunch with Frederick <laughs> Douglass last <laughs> week. But,
0: <laughs> But, that was a callback. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but it it's still like he trashes everybody. He says trashy stuff about Bush, Clinton, everybody else. Yeah. He is a trashy character. <laughs> like that's that's what he is. But he said it was a tone and way she in the way she said mm-hmm. it wasn't for sale. It hurt my feel. Really, bro? <laughs> like I <laughs> He also said he was the second coming this morning. So, hey, I don't know. Uh, he said what? Yeah. Oh he said some God. Jews say that he's the second,
1: second coming. Com- oh, yeah. no. Oh, no, he is doubling down on... Uh, <laughs> he is just doubling down as he usually does. Uh, on his attempt to try to divide Jewish voters from the Democratic Party, I think ultimately a fail. Uh, Jewish voters, roughly 80%, I think it was, Doris Davenport, mm-hmm. uh, went for the Democrats in the 2018 uh, congressional races. Uh, that's an anti-Trump vote. We all know what that vote was all about. Mm-hmm. I do not think he will be successful in that any more than I think he will be successful at getting black votes by championing uh, the release of the rapper from um uh Witch Oh, Sweet, yeah, yeah. Uh, Asap a separate, I'm just yeah. forgetting which country it was Sweden. I was gonna Sweden. say, uh, mm-hmm. and I don't think that will work. I don't think his friendship with Kanye will work. I don't mm-hmm. think his friendship with Steve Harvey will work. Mm-hmm. Get black voters, and I don't think ultimately uh, it's saying that Jews are disloyal to Israel and to themselves will work to get Jewish voters. Personally, I don't, I don't know what you're Yeah, thinking.
5: I don't think so either. I mean, frankly, if you're a Jewish person living in the United States of America, you know, most Jewish people, they're they're less religious as the, than they are uh, political. They'll tell you that themselves. I mean, I've studied as a as a seminarian, we've mm-hmm. studied a lot about that, right? And I, I'm constantly going to seminars to learn more about their culture and our relationship with the country. And, you know, Donald Trump is being loyal to the leadership of Israel. That is a military relationship. It's very, um, um, very strategic. So these, I don't think he's being, well, I don't know if it's possible to advise Donald Trump when he starts talking. But I think these are the kinds of things that are going to bite him in the butt. Because the Jewish people are not going to just listen to Donald Trump. And first of all, if they think, if he thinks the next thing he's going to do is threaten them and say we're going to cut off funding for Israel if you all don't vote for me. That's not going to happen.
4: I don't think these messages have anything to do with the Jewish people. I think all of his messages has to do with Christian conservatives. Period. I'll we'll explain that. So, Christian a lot of Christian conservatives uh, say that and not Christian can, not regular Christian people, but cr- Christian, yeah, conservatives. Right. They w- but they Christian, support, far all right. The they support Israel with the idea mm-hmm, that like when God. Jesus comes back, mm-hmm. Israel has to be That's right. intact. That's right. So his, even what he was saying about Jewish people today It has to do with more dog whistles to that group Mm -hmm. of I will protect Israel even if these Jewish people over here won't. It had to do more with that to me than it ever had to do with actual Jewish voters. Jewish voters for a long time have been reliably pretty right. Oh, yeah. Pretty left.
1: Pretty left. Pretty left. left. They're more liberal. Yeah, Yeah, they're They're more liberal than most.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's uh, probably the most loyal voters to the Democratic Party, if you just do it by ethnic groups. Yeah. Blacks number one,
5: mm-hmm. Jews
1: number two. so. Uh, and
5: I wish that we had more people really talking about that issue with the mm-hmm. conservative right because that's how Donald Trump gets to get away with that. And I think most of these presidential candidates need surrogates out there that can break that down because the Israel that they protect is not even the biblical Israel.
1: Alright, before we get into a long discussion of the biblical Israel, we're going to take a break <laughs> and we'll come back. We're going to bring it back local with a, a wrap up. We're going to get Doris' thoughts on Dorothy the Brown will be right back after this. Oh, wait, Donald Trump wants to weigh in before we move on here on
0: that. No collusion. Oh, okay, oh, okay. That, <laughs> thanks. That was like two months ago, dude. <laughs> Today's Ben dropsky show is brought to you in part by Green Element Resale. It's a fantastic place, and it's located at 6241 North Broadway Street in Chicago, and people, it's is badass all right furniture books appliances antiques ben's favorite candles uh, all kinds of stuff here at green element resale it's a fantastic place monday through saturday 11 a.m until 7 p.m sunday 12 until 7 p.m it's off broadway right between granville and devon 6241 north broadway street green element resale go there and save tons of money Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times.
1: Yes, indeed. We are live from the Chicago Sun-Times. We've got a few minutes left. I just, uh, Doris, I told you I was going to get your thoughts about Dorothy Brown. We've done doing all this national talk today. Uh, just a little local talk. Mm-hmm. Dorothy Brown, I talked about this yesterday. She is the clerk of the circuit court, has been since the year 2000. All right? There's the kids who are uh, 19 years old. If you ask them who the clerk of the circuit court, all I could tell you is Dorothy Brown. Actually, I don't believe there's many people at all who could tell you who the clerk of the circuit court is uh your thoughts on uh, dorothy brown her legacy uh the the office itself the, the yeah. all there's a lot of people who want to run for that who want to replace her your general thoughts on this
5: yeah it's becoming a really crowded field for sure mm-hmm. um i remember when dorothy brown first stepped out to run i supported her in 2000 uh she was a breath of fresh air when she came out uh Everybody really had not really seen a woman. I think at that time she had three degrees, accounting degree, law degree, and another degree. Very well educated, had a strong track record of success in all the things that she had done, and she was faith-based, is faith-based. That's her strongest support, in fact. And she just kept winning election after election after election in spite of all of the attacks and federal investigations, et cetera. I think the important thing to remember is that nothing, she has never, ever been accused of wrongdoing. And in fact, uh, some of the people that are part of that federal investigation, those people who, who accused her of wrongdoing, um, these are staff members, not the federal government. They ended up going to jail or being uh, convicted for lying to the courts. And I think that when you look at her, track record, especially as a clerk of the circuit court. People talk about uh, the lack of her uh, transforming it into uh, the world of technology. I think you have to really look across the board at a lot of different agencies. Look at the assessor's office. Look at a number of these offices that we know are understaffed and um, under-resourced. And it takes a lot to be able to turn those agencies in, especially from a technology standpoint. Because I think in the the, um, realm of the circuit court, if you remember back in, in 2003, I think uh, Mike Quigley uh, and people like um, uh, what, what's the professor's name um, uh, from the University of Chicago that's in the that's always doing political commentary. Anyway. They did a major report. It was called Reinventing Cook County. You know, I remember. Wow, what a memory you have. I know, right? <laughs> you pull, pluck that one out? I don't know. It just was like floating there. Yeah. But the point is, they've <laughs> okay. been talking about yeah. making the clerk's office an appointed office yes. as opposed to an elected office for right. a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think the more attacks that they can throw at it since then keeps giving them justification for finally one day making that possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, Dorothy Brown, I wish her well, whatever she's going to do in her next life. Um, I'm I really uh, take offense at the people who are throwing darts at her uh, because she made a statement that she's now fully vested in her pension. Why not? That's the reason why people get jobs in the first place, is to get to their point where they're fully vested in their pension and they can then, you know, go off into the sunset. And now she wants to spend her life doing things to help other people. Well, God bless her. Uh, Do you share? uh...
4: (laughs) Pretty much. So Dorothy Brown is one of the most intelligent politicians I've ever sat down and had a conversation Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. on so many levels. I respect her wholeheartedly. Um, When I graduated from high school, I had a slew of friends who worked in her office as young black women learning how to be professional black women. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I wish her the best. And I hope she still works in the community.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, you you know, I'm going to disagree with you on Dorothy Brown. A little bit on this one, uh, I um, on the issue of the pension. I think she, it, her saying that the way she did, making that strong assertion, it's just made it that much more difficult to stand up for pension, uh, the rights of pensioners. I wish she hadn't said it that way. Laura Washington was probably the person you were thinking of who took mm-hmm. issue with her Laura Washington columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times. Mm-hmm. Put a hard-hitting column about that. Uh-huh. And I just feel like when politicians say, well, now I can leave office because I'm fully vested, it just kind of undercuts. Like, there's a lot of people who need their pensions. They're not professionals with three degrees, mm-hmm. you know. They need those pensions. They live with those pensions. And it's easy, it just turns it into like, a an attack issue. Uh, uh, on the Pension Issue So I'm going to have to disagree with you on that point about Dorothy. I wish Dorothy Brown had been more forceful candidate for mayor back in 2007, but that's a whole other issue. <laughs> Alright, Doris Davenport uh, and Candace Casillo Dennis is saying we have to get out of here. Thank uh, you,
5: Ben Jarofsky. It's always a pleasure.
1: It is Thanks, indeed. Man. Candace, thank you so much. Uh, Doris Davenport, Monroe Anderson, Miles the man, the myth, the legend, running that camera like he was Francis Ford Coppola, and uh, of course, the man, the myth, the legend behind the Board to pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, and as Doris Davenport can tell you, back home in Alton, they call him white lightning. Why? Keep yourself lightning. a raised, take it out of Penny Cash, see you tomorrow, everybody.
0: And remember you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun Times and Chicago Reader website, Chicago.suntimes.com forward slash pages, forward slash Chicago and wherever else you download your favorite podcast, we will see you tomorrow.